Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ghost Dive Act 1. I am Time Bomb Tom, and I am joined by three other lovely people. We got Tactical Dreamer. Hello. We got Captain Stubbs. Howdy, hey. And we got Major Panda. Hello. So we are covering everything through Act 1. Um, we're going to dive into it, have some sort of a structure. We're going to go through story beats, discuss. Um, we got some community questions, thoughts, comments, concerns. So we'll just hop right along here. Um, we're going to start off with um, get a nice little table set here. Uh, what do you guys feel like? What brought you to this samurai game? What do you know about samurai content-wise? Movies, anime, video games. What do you got going for you? Well, what brought me to this game is that it's published by Sony, and I tend to play those. As far as my knowledge of Samurai is, it's like a class in one of the Fire Emblem games. It's not the All right, Captain Stubbs, what do you got? Um, I've, well, I've, so I've seen Seven Samurai. It's about the only Samurai movie I've seen. I haven't seen a lot of the animes, but like just historically, I've been very interested in Samurai. It's a, it's a cool culture and history and... Uh, Knowing that while this game isn't necessarily like aiming for historical realism, it is uh, fun in in that sense, regardless. Okay, Panda, what do you got? Uh, I guess I have a little bit more of a samurai culture in me than I realized. Um, so I've seen like all of Samurai Champloo, the anime, and that has a lot of heavy Japanese influence. Uh, I've seen what is it? What is that uh, Keanu Reeves movie that they did a remake of? Uh, 50, Ronin, 57, 47, Ronin. 47, 47? Ronin. Yeah, 47. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen a handful of other movies. I can't think of what they are, though. But, okay. I mean, what brought me to the game was just Sucker Punch. You know, I, I think their right, pedigree right. is so good. Infamous Second Son is, I think, one of the most underrated games of this generation. Not enough people give it the credit it deserves. And after playing that when it first launched, is like I fell in love with that studio. So, of course, yeah. I mean, and I got into it through. I've been watching Kurosawa movies with um, my friends, and for so long, like that, along with anime. I mean, my first samurai game was back on the Sega Master System called Kensaiden, and you know, this is because I'm old. This is like '80s, so you can just deal with it. I'm old, um, but I, I got a good base for this. And once they said Kurosawa mode, I was in. Cause I'm like, this is great. I can play it and it'll be just like the movies. My wife watches while I'm streaming and she loves watching it. Cause it's like, it's just like the chorus movies. So just a little background for all of us here. Um, we're going to start off. I got a community one right away since we're talking about Kurosawa mode or I'm talking about the Kurosawa mode. Um, King Prometheus says, Hey there, min max community. And of course other people joining us, not in the min max community, but I should mention this. If you're not in the MinMax community and you are listening to it uh, and you like this kind of content, they do do the deepest dives. Um, you can head over to Patreon, MinMax, two ends, and uh, join up. I think $2 get $2 gets you into the Discord, which is where all of us met. Um, and then just it's a great community. Talk about all kinds of different stuff. So I highly recommend it. And then but anyway. you can start your own podcast. Yeah, you yeah. can start your own podcast. We can talk about more games. We can do more community deepest dives, just like this one. The future has so many different things that we could do. Too many. Um, anyway, <laughs> wow. King Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
He says, just a quick something that I've thought about regarding the Kurosawa mode. I think the mode is awesome and a brilliant tribute to the undoubtedly one of the main inspirations for this game, but he could just not bring himself to use it. This game has so much beautiful color. It is so striking. I just find it interesting that probably the most unique thing about this game is something I'll probably never use. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, more power to you. This is just a different way for people to experience it. Like I said, I love it because I love the Kurosawa mode. It's just the little film grain, like techniques, the little hairlines that pop up, the sound. Um, I've been playing the my main playthrough is only in Kurosawa mode. I have not gone into the color for that. Um, it's just that's just how I'm going. So, I mean, uh, anyone else? Uh, Panda, how are you playing the game? Uh, I'm just playing in color. I, I did the, like the template swap at the beginning, you know, seeing how I wanted to play it. And I thought about doing the Kurosawa mode, but I mean, Prometheus hit it on the head. I mean, the environments are so lush and rich in color. Uh, I don't think that I could play this in that mode because of it. But what they've done with that environment is just crazy. Oh, I agree. I mean, I've been playing in Kurosawa mode, and when I look at the screenshots and stuff that people do in color, it's just it is mesmerizing. Um, but yeah, I totally get it. There, you know, you can go either way. Um, what do we got here, Tag to Dreamer? How are you playing? Uh, yeah, I'm also playing color. Uh, obviously, as we talked about earlier, I have no attachment to black and white Kurosawa movies, so. I, okay. I didn't really have much of an interest in that mode. I have seen a lot of your screenshots, though, Tom, and it looks beautiful. But <laughs> with color, it is just so much more beautiful, I think. All right, Captain Stubbs, how are you, how are you going about this uh, crazy adventure? Well, my main playthrough is in uh, color with English. I know I'm scrub. Uh, but oh. uh, <laughs> my second playthrough, I've got Kurosawa mode, all Japanese, the whole deal. And they're... they're both beautiful in their own way. Like the Kurosawa mode is such a good homage to those films. It does a wonderful job. For, for ev- all the little touches are there. They change the audio so that it it sounds like it came out of that era. It's they did wonderful. But like the the color scenes, the the settings, the tones for all the settings are just wonderful. I, I like there are the missions where you have to follow blue flowers or purple flowers, and I. I cannot imagine. I haven't come across those yet in my Kurosawa playthrough, but I cannot imagine that it's easy to find your way. <laughs> oh, trust me, it's fun. <laughs> it is fun trying to find those. Okay, so um, we'll head right into the prologue here. Um, as the samurai ride out, you know, we got what did he say? He says it got eighty versus the Mongol horde coming in, and um, so something you don't find out unless you play over again is the samurai that Lord Shimura sends out in the beginning is actually Masako's husband. Yeah. Yeah. I noted um, that on my second playthrough. Oh, really? I yes. did not know that. Yes. So as he's, he sends him to, you know, instill the fear of the samurai, um, I cannot think of a better way to start off a game to make you so angry at the <laughs> um, main bad guy than how he kills Masako's husband. You just throw some, uh, flammable liquid on him and start him on fire mm-hmm. and he is just shocking all at that point he's like what the hell is going on yeah starts burning and then bam decapitated yeah i love that uh he seems like such a just throwaway character at the beginning and you find later that he is he's pretty important to the narrative overall in masako's tale yeah yeah i mean i i'm like my um i thought about that was i remember the moment when Jin says to masako that uh don't worry, your husband died in honor in battle. Or was that Lord Shimmer who said that? 
No, that was that was uh, Jin talking to uh, um, Masako. Yeah, and um, and and see, going back to that scene in the second playthrough, being like, "Oh my god, oh saving yeah, he face!" Didn't, he didn't die. He didn't die. Yeah, it was like the least honorable death that you could have in that book. burned and decapitated by the Khan. Oh man, yeah, that was just after that, and then when it cuts back and you just see Shimura's face, and he's got that quiver. Mm-hmm. And the animation that is so well done on a lot of these characters, just the facial animation. And he's like, what does he say? Uh, something about them being beasts or uh, animals. And they deserve no respect. And it's just on. The music kicks in. You start riding down the hill and it's just cutting up. Um, it's just fantastic. The The score for this game is, it really makes these little points just feel more emotional uh, to get you more involved. Yeah. And the seamless transition from cutscene to gameplay and then the entire lack of HUD in gameplay, just it was the transition was just beautiful. Yeah, I think that's seamless. what really carries it over too is that lack of HUD because when you're riding down that hill and like you see that invasion force coming at you, it's, it's like you said, there is like no transition. It's almost like you're still in that cutscene. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's like you're just in the movie at that point. Yeah, to the point where I had to pick my controller back up. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, the part that got me, though, is once you get down to the beach and you start the actual combat, uh, I was thrown for a loop for a minute because it, it took me a hot second to get used to those controls. Uh, I don't know what you guys were expecting. But, I mean, what were your first thoughts on the combat? Oh, man, I was just hacking and slashing, trying to get through that area. Um, I remember it was just a, a mad rat race i was like okay i'm just gonna start swinging and like at some point it's gonna tell me what i have to do but i'm just gonna keep mowing them down as long as they come at me and the thing is i was playing in the kurosawa mode so right away everything is just in that grain and i didn't know who was on my side and who was the mongols at this point (laughs) yeah Um, they don't really like they don't give you mechanics really at the beginning. Beyond, I don't even think they tell you push square to slash. You just kind of do that because it's a normal game thing. Uh, so that beginning part, it's it, it felt like wow, this is really simple. But I know there's more more coming. So it was it was good. I loved that it was cinematic. They didn't want to bog you down with tutorials right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. yeah, that's nice. And and I like the way that it was paced out too as we're going through here. Um, you know, you keep going until. You keep fighting with Lord Shimura until you're the only two left. And then you continue on and you get uh, hit by a bunch of explosives, get knocked out. And um, just the scene where Jin's getting up and just keeps getting hit with the arrows until he finally falls down um, was just great. Because you know he was not giving up until he could make it back to Lord Shimura. Um, until he just completely passes out and there's nothing left of him. Um, but then after that, even as the Khan is talking to... Um, shimura and you know threatening him just the fact that you can see the sweat start to drip down the side of his brow like those details like i said with the animations in the faces is just it's fantastic yeah and it wasn't just like a moist face it was like a clear line of sweat starting at the forehead coming down the side of his face it was yeah and the first time i saw that scene because i played like i got confused a little bit because when Khan knocks him out, when Colton Khan knocks him out, I actually thought he killed him. Same. 
Like I didn't know he hit him with the hilt of the sword. Yeah, yeah. It just knocked him out. I was like, wait, wait, who's this guy now that's alive again later on? Like, yeah, I honestly thought that what was going to happen with how it started was it was going to flashback and be like, this is what happened previously to lead up to this moment, and that was going to be like the final scene of the game. Oh yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, so that would have been like that's the end battle. Yeah, going into it. Yeah, for and sure. And everything before is like that's just what's happening, and you're going to play like an entire prologue. That's actually the game just to get to that final end scene yeah that would have been something interesting for them to do um yeah so then after that so the scene where he gets knocked down he gets a couple arrows in his back and then the last arrow shoots in him you have to push x button to like summon the wind and that's the first time the wind comes into play did you guys read into that at all like the symbolism because you learn later that the wind is like representative of his father Mm -hmm. oh any thoughts on that yeah i think that's clearly a moment of uh like Jin's father's spirit reinvigorating him because his dad was this, according to Jin, protector of the people, and according to the other people, like as he's uh, spoiler alert for a moment in time that we're about to come up to, uh, like in, in in the tutorial phase uh, when Jin's thinking back on the day his father died, and you're climbing the stairs. Uh, was it Sensei Ishikawa said uh, your father was a samurai who always fought for the betterment of the people or something li- on that line? Yeah. So, yes, yeah, because you actually meet. Um... Ishikawa and I believe Masako on those steps yep. as you're climbing up. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you, you really they put it forth like at the very beginning of how important Jin's father was to the island and the samurai culture as a whole, which I I guess looking back on I didn't read too much into it until we were talking about it right now. But I I mean it's it's almost surprising to see. Uh, I guess how much emphasis they put on him as a character and then seeing where Jin goes after uh, his death, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How he just goes with Shimura. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. A whole new training thing going on. So yeah, since we're going to that, um, I really enjoyed the combat tutorial. Just the basic of just, you know, sparring with um, your uncle. Um, it's an easy way to flow into things. I don't think it was drawn out at all. I think it was very, very well done. And now we all have to go and eat octopus so that we know (laughs) what we're talking about. (laughs) And then just going from that, um, to sneaking around with Yuna, um, doing the little tutorial parts, um, teaching you how like the mechanics work, um, to claiming your horse and naming your horse, which now... Hey, we got uh, we got Jay with a little comment here. He says, "What horse color and name did you go with, um, Captain Stubbs? What do you got?" Well, so for my uh, my color playthrough, I went with the digital deluxe horse. It's that uh, bra- that brown fur, I guess. Fancy um, people. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that one's named uh, Kage. And for the black and white playthrough, I went with the dappled uh, gray horse and that one is named uh oh, what's the sky not sora um nobu nobu yeah that one's named nobu all right uh, uh what do you got panda oh okay tech. yeah whoever okay okay uh i have the lightest horse it's like almost white but not quite i wish there was a straight up white horse maybe there's later um and it, i named it sora just because it's the word i was familiar with and i like kingdom hearts <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I picked the uh, gray horse, and his name is Nobu as well. Yeah, I, you know, they were all gray to me, 
So <laughs> I, I picked the DLC one and uh, Sora, but not because of Kingdom Hearts, um, just because I did. That's what I wanted. So then in the my color playthrough that I started over after I completed Act One, I took the light gray horse, which is I guess the closest to white, and named it Nobu as well. Um, so then you know as as we're moving along, um, we go to the standoff. Um, uh, real quick, as like program. you're doing the um, like the sneaking around with Yuna yeah. at the beginning. How did you guys feel the first time you went prone and like crawled underneath something? Because that was, <laughs> I was really uh, thrown off by going into first person, and then I got stuck underneath <laughs> the first porch because I was, didn't understand that I had to keep pressing forward to get out from underneath it. Oh. So I was like trying to hit buttons. I was like, how the hell do I get out of here? I don't know. So, it was seamless for me, but I was immediately in love. The the camera bob, it, it had all the little touches of like quality animation to even just the first person mode of like, yeah, you're not your head's not going to be perfectly still crawling underneath that. You're going to be bopping around left and right. So I, I was I was like, oh, this is great. But I was a little thrown off getting thrown into first person mode. Didn't expect that. Yeah, that was a little different. Uh, my favorite is. You don't quite learn it right like this point, or at least I didn't because I was playing in black and white, but the amount of mud that your character is covered in oh, yeah. when you leave uh, those scenarios is just, it's, it's another one of those little details they just throw in that it's just like, this game is fantastic. And I'm going to say it right now from our great cohort, Cal Halyard. I fucking love this game. Yeah, but, yeah, it's super great. <laughs> they should put that quote on the box. That's very good. Yep, on the box. <laughs> it should be on the box, Cal Halyard. <laughs> Min Max, I fucking love this game. And there we go. That's our first swear for the stream. <laughs> right, and it, that, uh, and it wasn't me. I didn't do it. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Tech. I was just gonna say we should have said at the head of the stream. This is not exactly Min Max, safe for work, the same as what they're doing. Oh, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Panda already said he's gonna swear like a sailor. <laughs> well, you beat me to it, man. I, I'm trying to I know. be professional over here. But... That was in my head all day, though. I'm like, I'm gonna quote. Kyle. Oh no, I've been <laughs> I've been waiting to uh, let loose on it. So once once we start getting into like the open world concepts and when we start talking about stuff, I'm gonna let it fly. So okay, so yeah, we get into the standoff mechanic tutorial next, and um, Crater has a nice little comment here. He says, "I love the standoff mechanic an unreasonable amount, particularly as you upgrade it draws more opponents, and nothing makes you feel more powerful at the start of a battle than cinematically cutting through multiple foes." The cherry on top is when you occasionally get a group leader in on the showdown and take them out before fighting really even starts. Mm -hmm. Chef's kiss. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that could happen. I have not gotten a leader in on it yet. Yeah, oh, that's definitely a go-to for me um, as I'm not using um, any ghost tools unless it makes me. I have been going straight samurai mode, um, honorable, not the cowardly killing like a thief. I'm a super Ooh, cowardly. <laughs> yeah, I'm the most cowardly. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, you know, it, it's nice that they put, you know, you can play it either way or mixed. You know, it's, it's, it's a nice touch. Yeah, for sure. I do think it's kind of funny. The first time I did a standoff, I was like, isn't this what Lord Adachi did a few minutes ago and got set on fire by these jerks? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then yeah, like, that might be going a little too hard on it. Well, then you'll see like clips or something online. People will post of them doing like these crazy long like uh, chain uh, standoffs, and it looks super awesome. But then like the entire time, I'm sitting there thinking I would never approach this situation like that at all. I would be hiding in a bush somewhere <laughs> with a bow and arrow, and that's all I'm gonna do. Oh yeah, and that's how I activate any sort of um, outpost. 
is I'll walk in, I'll do the standoff, and then I will dramatically and slowly continue my walk through the outpost as people just come at me and I would just hack them down. Like I'm not running at them. I'm just slowly moving towards them, parrying death blow. Yeah, I kind of wish there was a mode in this game where it was like one hit kills for you and the enemies, like just parry them and then kill them in one hit every time as if you're doing a standoff, but also you're going to die in one hit because that would make. Okay, so as you bring that up, funnily enough, um, they did add that lethal mode. Yeah, is that so exactly like that? So, yes, um, let me find it here. Somebody did write in about it, and I was going to bring it up later, but we're here now. So, oh, here, Carl Grenier. I think that's, if I'm saying your last name wrong, I am horribly sorry. Um, but his comment is about the newly added lethal experience in Act 1. He says, it does classic changes of more aggressive enemies. Enemies do more damage. Enemies detect you much faster. One added difference is Jin does more damage as well. Ooh. Oh, wow. So the problem he that's- found with it is by more damage, it's a whole lot more damage. So Jin can, without even most sword upgrades, essentially to hit anybody. Oh like my right god. Off the bat. But, you know, you also have um, the other side where they pretty much hit you twice and you're dead. Um, so he says it makes the combat more realistic, but oddly easier if you're good enough to already uh, parry and are doing the hard mode, which I started hard mode o- when I did my color playthrough, and I'm going full ghost on that one. Um, I have it on hard and I will tell you right now, um, I had a little bit of difficulty just even in that first section because it's about two hit kills, but putting it on lethal seems like it will be even crazier. But yeah, he does say that you do more damage too. So I think it's trying to go for that, um, more realistic combat style. Yeah, I think that's super cool. I don't know that I have the balls to play like that, but it's super cool that it's there. Do it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean if they add the new game plus on top of this i think it'd be fantastic to do the lethal difficulty yeah no, the, with the uh lethal difficulty though i wonder how hard it would be uh to fight off the archers you know because that's the one thing in this game that constantly kicks my ass is i get shot from somewhere no matter how many times i hear uh incoming or whatever bullshit they say <laughs> it, I always get shot with a bow, man. <laughs> I even have the, oh, and even, the deflect. Even worse yet, you get the ones that can sh- like rapid fire. Oh, like, yeah. I was watching oh, Captain yeah. Stubb mm-hmm. stream, and I had not encountered these guys yet. And he's got guys shooting four arrows within like yeah, I think, 20 I think seconds. it's a three string. Yeah, uh, that it's it's three like shot burst. Real quick, just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, th- they, those dudes are constantly kicking my ass. Yeah, they're definitely, um, and later in the game, too, they stop calling out. Like, if there's not a guy, one of their characters, in between you and them, they don't say anything. Yeah. They will just unleash. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine doing that on Lethal, then. I would. I probably wouldn't even be able to do it. Well, it's just a new challenge, you know. I'm a big baby, little baby boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, yeah, as we go along, then, you know, we end up fighting. Coton Coton Khan on the bridge. It which, sounds like a Mortal Kombat I, character, by the way. I know. Well, that's yes, Khan, yeah. Khan, yeah, you got it at the end. Yep. Um, so how far did you guys make it your first time fighting the Khan on the bridge? Uh, like, was it instant slaughter? Or did you offend him off for a little bit? Oh, dude, I fought him forever. I felt like I was doing that fight for so long because I was super trash at the beginning, like I said earlier, at fighting. So it was just like blocking everything and not really understanding what the hell I had to do. So it took me like five or ten minutes, I think, until he kicked me off the bridge. Damn. 
Yeah, I was mine was probably only like a minute or two. I was so aggro and I got my ass kicked. Probably two or three minutes of you know, well, maybe not even that long. Yeah, it was a it was a little bit for me. Do you think that you can actually take him down, or you think there is a gated part where it's like, okay, you're just gonna not be able to hit this now, and we're going to the cinematic? Well, oh yeah, did you guys. Yeah, did you guys get hits in on him? Because I wasn't even able to get hits on on him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It seemed yeah. like he blocked. Him. Yeah, if you if you could parry um, some of the stuff, uh, you could get a couple in. On I think you get him down to like almost three quarters health, completely gone, and then that's when I finally got kicked off the bridge. If I'm remembering correctly, it was three quarters or half of his health was gone. Yeah, my second playthrough, I uh, <clears throat> I actually did decent. I was able to parry and damage him enough to get one of the. Uh, like glancing stare moments when you when... oh were they're like talking to each other or yeah it was just a uh, stare down i don't remember any weapon to weapon okay yeah oh uh, yeah when I, my second playthrough for act one um i had it in hard and he kicked my ass <laughs> <laughs> i knew how to play and he kicked my ass so i feel a little bad about that one so yeah you get you get knocked down um wake up on the beach and then i think this is where you brought up the the wind coming in um which oh, is, is where that call back your father. This is where that happened. And then, yes, because it's calling you to Yuna. So you go end up finding her. Um, she has your horses and uh, a Mongol horde comes by. So you hide in the grass. And then she complains about um, she can't, she's never going to be able to find the horse. And you simply explain to her, these are samurai horses. They come when you whistle. I love that part. That part was so cool. So, yeah. So then you just give the whistle, which is a nice whistle. It's a good. Oh, clear, yeah. You know, it's not like the Red Dead whistle. I didn't really like the Red Dead whistle for the horse, but I mean, it fits that time period for that. And this, I think, feel, go, feels really good when you. One of my uh, whistle favorite horse. little touches in this game is like after you whistle or whatever, and you start to walk, and then Jim will just be like, uh, "For my horse, anyway." So he'll be like, "Nobu, come." I I love how the voice actor. I don't. Uh, I didn't get his name. I, I should have wrote it down before this, but the way he delivers that line is every time I hear it is so satisfying to me. Yeah. So one thing I noticed is I I prefer the Japanese vocal for Jin just because it's more aggressive, it seems, in the Japanese. Um, he seems, after going from Kurosawa mode where it's Japanese to the English mode, he seems softer. And I don't mean it like he's um, not as heroic. It just He has a much softer tone. It's like more gentle. He doesn't seem like the same guy just between the two um, languages and how, how, how the dialect goes. Um, but I know coming up here is, you know, you get your horse and you start riding and I'm pretty sure this is one of uh, captain Stubbs' favorite uh, moments <laughs> in the game. So you want to go ahead and take it away. Oh my God. As you come out from a grove of trees, you run into the white topped pompous grass and Jin leans down to run his hand through that grass, and I lost my freaking mind loving that little animation so much because it is something I would absolutely freaking do. It's so it's such a real animation to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that little stuff is just fantastic. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then I think that's the title card too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's really good. I love it. Yeah, as you're going, when it goes to that panoramic and it's uh, the side view and you're riding past that tree right before that uh, Ghost of Tsushima banner pops up, like that music is just going. It's like it's pumping you up. It's like it's ready. Here comes the open world. 
get ready for this game because the last hour and a half you just did was nothing. <laughs> were you were you surprised to see a title card? Um, I wasn't. I because I, I you could kind of feel it coming, like just the way it started to open up. Like you could feel like this is the opening to your experience. This is opening the movie. Here you are, you know, write it. Yeah. yeah. Well, also, right before the actual Ghost of Tsushima card was, you got like produced by Sucker Punch. Right? Oh, yeah, it's a Sucker yeah, Punch. Yeah, pops yeah, up. yeah. They were a so I guess that was kind of lead in. But um, we're going back to Carl Grenier here. He says, The exploration feels supernatural and rewarding. From the start of Act One, you get dropped into an open world with some main quests that you can do, and you can do them in any order that you want. Um, you can go anywhere in the bottom half of the island, and almost within. 30 yards or so every time you find something you can get, you know, from the sword kits, headbands, the haikus. He says terrible haikus, but I'm, you know, I didn't think they were terrible. Um, the fox shrines, the charms, major charms, like everything just opens up. Nothing. You are not gated in any form at this point. It is just go where you want. Yeah, and, I was actually a little overwhelmed at first when it was just like, oh, have at it. Because, you know, you did hear a lot of that talk online of how it's just like, oh, question mark here, question mark there, question mark here. But I think that is where this game shines the most is it doesn't have that open world feel like a Ubisoft game where it's like pampered with uh, collectibles all over the place. I feel like they integrate it into the environment and the story structure in a way that like it makes you want to explore it because the environment surrounding those uh, collectibles or like little things that you can find is so well done. It's it's I, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I think they're spaced well enough apart where it's not like there's so much here and everything just keeps popping up like it's a good distance like you can I honestly after that initial horse ride in the beginning, I do not think I called my horse for another three hours and i was just running everywhere walking taking it all in because there's so much to see so much to interact with there's you got all these little npcs that have stories even even the random events that pop up it's it's not always the same yeah no you know, there's something different about it it's it's wonderful i love that I, and i love i love that panda points out they're not just collectibles and and these things these points that you're going to are meaningful upgrades for yourself but the game also uses them as a as a chance to deliver small moments of showing Jin as Jin and not just this samurai hell bent on stopping the mongol invasions you know when you, you when you stop in the hot spring you ponder on things going on in your life right now and things going on in your past and your father's death and all, all these various things that just are used as more than just, Oh, here's more max health. It's like, Oh, here's a little bit of gin too. Yeah. I think, yeah. And really I like how job. you can choose too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just like how you can choose. Like there's an option, like even though it's just one or two options, I just like that. You know, you don't just sit in there and it's nothing you get, uh, you pick what you want. And then there's a nice little, they'll do a little monologue inside his head. Just thinking about like, that certain subject yeah i, I think oh, i mean Stubbs kind of nailed it on the head uh in ducktailing off of it is it seems like they really researched the samurai culture and they use those little moments to really uh display the the full meal 
if you know what I mean. Instead of yeah. like, oh, here's your main course. It's like, okay, here's your side dishes. Here's your appetizers. Like all this stuff is just perfectly baked into this entire meal. It's so well done. Yeah, exploration yeah. is definitely... I, I... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, um, exploration is definitely my favorite part of the game to the point that I was a little underpowered for a while because I bought those five wind upgrades immediately to just run around the island and find random crap. Because uh, I think that oh, is wow. that is the the best part of the game. And just a little touch, I love that the wind audio comes out of your controller, so it's like right next oh, to yeah. you. Oh, yeah. So cool. good. See, I didn't know that at first, So because every time I play, I have headphones on. I'm just finding uh, this out. What? Yeah. Yep. So I, I was playing, and all of a sudden, I'm like, what is what is going on? And I looked down at my controller, and I, yeah, I didn't even know that that was coming out of there, because I always play with headphones on. I want to say... Uh, Tack, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't his whistle come out of the controller as well? When you whistle yeah, for your I'm not horse? Sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure on that. If it does, it's so seamless that I haven't noticed. Maybe I'm going crazy, but I, I almost am 100% sure that he whistles and the whistle comes out of the controller too. And and it's like you can't even tell the difference. It's it's nothing. Oh, yeah, wow. I will say about the exploration, it it does start to feel a little Ubisoft-y, but like you guys said, they are spaced out way more than Ubisoft's. Like, you'll find 10 question marks in a Ubisoft game in, like, five feet, and it's overwhelming, and this is a little more spread out, a little smaller, and I like that a lot. It feels like yeah, you can so do everything. You, yeah, and, and one, like, I'm surprised that you got those, like, because everybody plays differently, but the, the fact that you got all those wind, I still have not bought a single one of those wind upgrades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have any either. Same. Not one of them. <laughs> huh. See? So, finding different things out about each other. It's a sharing experience. Uh, <laughs> so, as you continue, eventually, as you actually get into the story, um, we'll start with Yuna's Tales. So, initially, you get uh, the Warrior's Code. So, she's searching for her brother, Taka. And um, I think you meet her at the fishing village. Or you start heading towards a fishing village and you hear rumors of them taking um, a blacksmith to the Kanata Inlet. Right. So as you're going along, um, Jin is actually fairly conflicted at this point because this is where the first ghost um, assassination part hits um, when going with Yuna because that's how she is. That's how, you know, she fights. Yeah, she. uh, this kind of threw me off, though. Uh, how they kept referring to her as a thief. Like, instead of saying she's like a ghost or an assassin or whatever, they keep calling her a thief. And I guess my head just, I can't wrap that around because I'm just like, oh no, she's like an assassin. Yeah, but I think it's because it's going more for their code of honor yeah. for what the samurai is. So maybe they didn't have so much, like they have assassins, you know, and such. But yeah, the fact they're referring to her as a thief probably is more so because of just the sneaking around in the gla- in the grass yeah. hiding um stealing from the dead bodies well i mean um, she's stealing people's like lives without them knowing too i guess so right maybe that's... that was a big thing <laughs> um basically you know going back to um seven samurai um i don't even know if you remember this part um those who have seen it um but they need armor at some point in the movie and all of a sudden one of the villagers has all this armor for them and he was taking it from the dead samurai in the fields and they were they were gravely like disappointed in him like they did not want to take this 
off of the, like it was removing the honor from the dead, the fact that they took the stuff from him. So I think it it, it kind of goes in with that. Like you don't take anything from the like the dead for them. It's honor. That's what they're buried with their stuff. You know, it, it's all about honoring them. So the fact that she's just sneaking around, taking whatever she wants, I think it's that's where this whole morality thing starts popping in for Jin. And like this moment that we're getting to with the first like him becoming the ghost is the moment in the game that like I truly fell in love with not just the world, but the story that they were going to be introducing. Because the moment that you sneak up behind that Mongol and take his life and it does the uh, flashback. Yes, to when you're hunting the bear. Yeah, I, I, that was like such a powerful moment to me of like him discovering like this other side of himself that he's like betraying in a way. Yeah, like in like as he does it, as he finishes that kill, it's not like he just stabs him and he's done. Like he falls to the ground. He falls to the ground with him just in like disbelief that he just did this, that he went and did this when his um, uncle tells him that, you know, we're not animals. We look them in the eye and we kill them with honor, courage, and respect, and only cowards strike from the shadows. So something that you've been brought up with your entire life, suddenly you decide to just flip it. Like the internal struggle that he probably goes through at that moment where he just collapses as he's killing this guy from behind is just, it's, it's a lot of power in that moment. And I think Stubbs has nailed it, uh, earlier when he kept talking about the animations and stuff and i know tom you said it as well but the thousand yard stare that they put on his face as it kind of the camera kind of pulls back and he's thinking about that moment it it's like the little touch like that of like you they put you in his shoes to make you feel like of how wrong it is of the thing that he just did and it's it's crazy i haven't really played a game in recent memory where I felt bad for that decision, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that is actually the only time I think that I've assassinated somebody is that mission. I might've gotten forced uh, to do it on another one, but yeah, me too. (laughs) 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 I'm pretty sure you said that you ran around just slitting throats and I'm changing my mind. I'm a good guy. now. (laughs) I'm a good guy. I mean, it's not about bad. It's getting done. What needs to be done. It's just, it's nice that you can approach it in a different manner. Yeah, and everybody I mean, what, has their own story they're writing about it. When the camera zooms back in on him, it was for me. It was like, okay, well, we cracked that can open. Let's go ahead and just keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that Pandora's box has been unleashed, let us wreak havoc. I yeah, and I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see the that play out more in the story. I don't think we've seen very much of it beyond that moment yet. Oh yeah, I think it's really gonna. It, I mean, future spoilers, obviously, but. After the way the act one ends, I think it's really going to be the driving point of how this game ends. Yeah, definitely. I, I I have a feeling that's going to be a big emotional hammer that's going to be hovering over us for the rest of this playthrough. Yeah. Yeah. So after you you get to go through the camp here and then find we're looking for Taka, um, and you end up just finding a one of the Straw Hat um, clan, or the Straw Hat Ronin, and you know he tells you about. Um, where there may be a possible blacksmith and the location of where other the straw hat Ronins are. So, you know, you go about escaping and then you move on. Um, and here's one of the first flashbacks, I think, or not flashbacks, but the cut over to Castle Caneta, where the Khan's talking to Shimura 
and he basically is telling Lord Shimura that he deserves better than this. Um, and he can he can be better than this if he convinces his people to just, you know, go along and, and surrender. Um, and then he invorn- this is the first time that he hears that Jin is actually alive. And there's like hope sparked in his eye. Even though um, Kotan says that, you know, his patrols are going to find him and he's done. He's done for. So just him sitting in that cell thinking there's hope. And that Jin is not going to stop until he gets there. Like he knows what kind of man he brought him up to be. Um, it is just really nice. It's a good little moment there that it just cuts to. It's only like a like a two minute scene or so. And as much as you want to not like the the con, like he is he is very well done. Yeah, and you can tell he is very well versed. Um, he says he knows their language. He's been studying their ways and everything. And um, I really like him as a character. Yeah, talking about the the hope in Lord Shimura's eyes when he hears that Jin's still alive. It, it <clears throat> on the first playthrough, it mirrored the hope I felt inside when I saw Lord Shimura still alive in that same moment. You know, right, because we thought he was dead. Yeah, or some of us thought he was dead. I thought he was dead up until that point. I thought Koten Khan killed him on that beach. Um, so that was that was a, a good way for like the game to kind of bring that moment not only to us as the player but as an to one of the NPCs. And have us as a player feel that because we're kind of in those same yeah, but it's uh, like a parallel of us feeling hopeful because he's alive and then uh, him feeling hopeful because Jin's alive. It's like we're all feeling that at the exact same moment. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. And it's just pushing you to go forward. So it's like, okay, now I know that I can do this. He's alive because most of us, I think, thought he was dead. So now you have that endpoint. Like he kept saying that he needs to save Shimura, but he didn't theoretically. Oh, I guess he, because he, you know, he's alive because you saw him on the bridge. He doesn't know you're alive because you got whipped off yes, the bridge. Yes, which correct. I don't know how the hell you survived that anyway. <laughs> because if you try jumping off a clip into the water and it's too high, it just fades to black and resets you. Because I found that out by yeah. trying to jump into the ocean. You should take a horse off a cliff. I have. It won't. It doesn't jump off some of the highest cliffs. I have taken it and gone for a fly a couple of times, yeah. and it is quite hilarious. Um, What's the one for Sky? Is that Sora? Sora, yes. <laughs> yeah. and that is my horse in Kurosawa mode. That is Sora. He is flying to the sky and never going to land. Um, but as we continue along, we keep going with Yuna's story. Um, the next mission, I believe, or the quest is called the Broken Blacksmith, who introduces probably. Um, one of my favorite side characters yet to meet, and that would be Kenji, the renowned sake brewer and swindler. Love Kenji. I mean, this guy is so animated. Um, just the, what he says, how he says it, it's a like it throws me straight back to the old Akira Kurosawa, Toshiro Mifune movies, um, Yojimbo. Just some of the characters in that are just a hidden fortress. Um, there's the the duo of people that it's more about than the actual story in that movie and it's just this weird comedy and like um pity you almost take on them yeah i like his introduction Um, because that's the first time you see like a real character foiled to any of the other characters because it's super serious like all the way up into this point and this is like what uh an hour and a half two hours in uh, depending on how long it took you to get through those first missions and then he gets introduced and like it's like finally a little breath of levity in here to like lighten this thing up. <laughs> yeah, and he just wants to drink some sake as they discuss their plan, but you know, Jin just shuts them down right away. Yeah. So well and they I, don't want to drink. 
Panda, you say an hour and a half for me, that was at like the four or five hour mark because I went to do a couple Sensei Ishikawa missions first. I didn't even do any of the quests until probably four or five hours. I did nothing of the main. I was wandering around. Yeah, I like think I pool. did those first two. And then after that, I was like, all right, I need to do some other stuff. Yeah, I wandered a little yeah, bit, but I, I went. I went to the Ishikawa mission and Yuna's first mission after reading Jojuba put an article on Game Informer that was like, hey, do these missions and get get the, the skills that you need to be running around the island. Oh, yeah. I didn't have a bow for I don't even know how long <laughs> because I didn't do the Ishikawa one. So I'm like getting shot with these by these archers from the towers. I have nothing to shoot at them. I'm just running like a mad person because I did not pick that bow up until way farther later than I should have. Yeah, I saw on the map that uh, doing that mission got me a bow. I'm like, know where I'm headed. <laughs> <laughs> Went and did that so first. So anyway, back to uh, Kenji. Um, you end up having to hide in his sake cart. And, you know, he doesn't like that Kenji's doing business with the Mongols. But Kenji's like, I'm not doing business with them, man. I'm getting them drunk. They love my, what do they call it? What do they call his sake? I cannot think of the name. Oh. Uh, the D, I think. But... Anyway, they really like Isaki. So as you're going along, you know, um, you can tell that uh, they start talking about how Yuna and Kenji know each other and that how uh, they have known each other so long that the first time Kenji brewed his first uh, batch of sake, he sold it to Yuna, to which she replies, it tastes like piss. <laughs> and this is like the little disheartening <laughs> Kenji as he continues talking. Then he's like, oh, man, come on. Yeah. Why you got to do me like that? <laughs> but as you keep going, um, you happen upon a bunch of townspeople um, that are like, once you get to the actual place and get out of the cart and you're sneaking around. So this is, again, you go into the sneaking area to get Taka at this point. Yeah. And you're doing the sneaking as you're going through this. Um, I think it's Osmo Bay. Yes. As you're going through it, um, just the visuals on not following like if because you have to follow the leader, but as you're following this leader on the rooftops, you see like the villagers and the townspeople that are refusing to join with the Mongols and they just begin executing them um, at like point blank range with bows and hanging them up. And it's just like you really start to feel like awful. I mean, uh like this is happening. You're sneaking through, not saving these people. You are sneaking through the town not helping these people yeah I, I actually have a note like on the way to osimo bay uh while you're hiding in the cart with yuna there's some civilians being tortured on the side of the road yuna calls okay. it out and says do you remember this point yes uh yuna calls it out and says i hope my brother's not being treated like that and Jin says uh he's a, if he's a skilled blacksmith he shouldn't be now personally i felt that that was almost like still a part of honorable Jin that's like not realizing what these Mongols will do to anybody that it doesn't matter that her brother's a skillful blacksmith. He could still be killed just because any old reason. So do you think it's that, or do you think he was beginning to realize that he's a lot of use to them having a blacksmith on the Island to make stuff for them? I or mean, like just trying to honor. give her hope that, right. you know, that he's okay. You know, it make her feel better about the situation. But he all, but in the same point, like you know, um, we come across it later. Like, it could be the Mongols trying to turn him. I guess he is a little naive at this point. He doesn't take that into um, 
what is actually happening, but we'll get to that part much later. Um, just his kind of naivety and uh, hopefulness for people, for their characters, I guess, because he thinks everybody should be more like him, not to like he holds himself above it, but like there should be this honor code. Um, yeah, um, quick tangent while we're still on Yuna's quest line. My dog's name is Yuna, and every time a character says her name, she perks up and starts walking around looking for some stranger that's talking to her. <laughs> Somebody wants to play with me. Is that a ball? <laughs> Start throwing uh, kunai. Hey. <laughs> Not at the dog. Don't throw it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Damn, Tom. <laughs> so, yeah, as you're... Um, Again, with the people being slaughtered as you're going through these rooftops and Jin just, or at least me as the character being like, I'm not helping these people currently. Um, a woman actually comes running out of one of the houses and just gets a spear right in the back um, because she refused to be a slave. And, you know, I think at that point they begin talking in Mongolian because I didn't have subtitles for what they were saying to each other. It just, you know, it was just the Mongolian tongue. And maybe the subtitles actually Mongolian, but just the and the guy's laughing the whole time he's talking about it too. And there's this woman trying to escape, you know. Um, there's children being like killed everywhere. You know, you find these little dolls uh next to bodies that are burnt up. Like I don't think they actually show a dead child. No, but there is um I I brought it up to you in conversation like a, a week ago. But there yeah. is a side story that deals with that same kind of situation that really threw me for a loop. Yeah. Okay. I, have no I think problem. I know the one you're talking about. But yeah, I, you know, they don't show it because obviously just the impl like implication that that is happening is enough to make you feel bad and get to where you need to go. It doesn't have to cross that line of that brutality because you already know. You don't need the visual. Like your mind can just go there. Yeah, the implication. Maybe more so. Uh, parents so maybe it could be a little more detrimental to panda and i maybe oh certainly i i like there there are definitely moments that like if you can relate more obviously affect you more yeah like yeah i thought that's like because i'm a monster <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're just going around slitting throat i didn't push it you know. i mean my note making on it that. rain blood <laughs> My note on that is that I was glad the the game wasn't afraid to shy away from the true face of war, especially in you know oh, totally. older eras. That they're perfectly willing to show that, like, look, humans when they get in situations like a thousand people invading another country and told to go nuts and kill people, do some really fucked up shit. Oh yeah, definitely. So as you're going through this uh, mission comes in the part where I'm going to guess most of you did your first or hundredth air assassination. <laughs> um, Dude, I'm air assassinating everybody. <laughs> okay. So, and something that was brought up that I have not encountered yet is when you do this air assassination, you get another flashback cinematic of your uncle, like a brief one. Again, back to the bear thing. Like you do it the first time it happens when you do an air assassination. Um, it's him again, reiterating that you're not animals. Like you look them in the eye when you kill them. I think Jay brought it up and I'm like, I have not seen that cinematic yet as I have not done an air assassination. Yeah. I've seen that cinematic. <laughs> this part, when you get to the end of the roof, um, 
and then you don't have to continuously follow him. You just have to make it to where he is. I failed that part probably five times trying to make it from one side to the other, not killing anybody because it was assassination. Mm. Um, did you guys, like, how, do you know, like, did you kill yeah. several of the people to make it through? Yes. I uh, actually or... didn't. Not because I was against it, but because I need to. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly I don't remember. Clear. I'm okay with killing people. Okay. I hope that's clear. So yeah, then, once you hit that part, anyway, I didn't do it, but I had a lot of... I hit this weird wall of I had to time out everything perfectly just to make it across to actually get to the end part where the leader was. So then you get to the part where the leader is and um, Yuna just goes nuts on this guy and takes him out because he's going to kill Taka because, oh, I forgot to bring this up. As you're going, you hear another blacksmith come out and say that Taka is straight up screwing them. Like he's giving you crappy work. He's like, I'm a blacksmith. I can do way better than him. And the leader's like, well, f prove yourself. I'm going to kill this guy. You're up to the plate, buddy. But at that point, I don't think Yuna knows that because is Yuna following you on these rooftops? Because I don't remember seeing her. And it's usually pretty good about, you know, being able to see the other character following you. It, she was there for me, at least. And she said, like, oh, they're going to kill Taka. And Jin's like, calm down. We're going to get there first. We just have to follow him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she was definitely there. Okay. So then it was just me probably paying more attention to everything else and noticing the fact that she was actually there. So, yeah, as you get him, you escape. Um, there's a couple search parties coming for you. You hide in the grass a couple of times. And then Kenji shows up with all your horses, and it's sake drink of time. <laughs> Which then leads us to the hammer and the forge. Now, interesting thing, as you're coming up to hammer and the forge, because this is when you're going to the Komatsu Forge, I, along with the smack here, found Komatsu Forge before doing this quest so the smack says upon entering you can tell something terrible has befallen the forge and its inhabitants there are no enemies or human npcs for that matter in this entire location giving you free reign to explore in the entire forge to your heart's content like it is completely desolate like i remember being this is eerie like there is nothing here and he says while walking through the streets and investigating the buildings a haunting melody begins to play that weaves a tale of tragedy and despair in fact, the only sounds you will hear are the wind, background music, and your footsteps, giving it off an eerie atmosphere that follows you everywhere. The buildings have been ransacked, and blood is strewn throughout the streets. Sucker Punch really knocked it out of the park with the environmental storytelling here. The fact that you don't need words or actions to convey a story is fascinating. My visit to Komatsu Forge has been a powerful one that will stick with me long after I have beaten the game. So I got to that point as well, and it is just a ghost town. There's nothing there. And I mean, I'm walking around. All you see are bodies, arrows, and crows. And it is a really eerie feeling because that is a big area that is just, there's nothing there at that point. I don't know. It, did either of you guys make it to that point or any of you make it there prior to doing that quest? Uh, uh, no, my first time there was the quest. Yeah, same here. Yeah, That's mine too. I made it a ghost town, but in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, slitting of the throats and the hiding, yes. But I, I remember. <laughs> anyone needed to know. I remember it being a bit of a ghost town, like upon your arrival, and yeah, yeah. But even when you get there during the quest, you know, it starts off. If you go in, I think the way from the Golden Temple, 
like that path that leads right. you there, yep. you get a few packs of dogs here and there, mm-hmm. like before actually making it into the forge. Like there's a little outskirt area. Yeah. And yeah, even after you make it there, it's just, it, it's very desolate and you're just, um, you're just wandering around. And then as you get there in the quest, after getting through, you know, a couple of guys, you get to the forge and you have to find um, Yukio. I think it was his uh, uh, Taka's apprentice or his helper, which then sends you on. Um, I'm thinking it's one of those protect missions. Yeah. So, you know, you have to find the um, townsfolk, the villagers, yeah. protect them for a little bit and then move on to the next one. And I really like this part because as you're doing this part, um, the people start weaving this story about you. Um, they start saying you're fighting like a demon. Um, you're not human. Yeah. And then as you like get to the end part, um, when you start the forge to draw all of the Mongols in um, to kill them all, because you use the starting of the forge to just bring everybody to you so you can clear that out. After you do that, which, by the way, I love these bigger battles that are not just the three, four, or six, like, people. Like, even in some of these outposts, it feels like they're not enough enemies. And when you get to these bigger ones, it can actually start to be more... It's more of a challenge just because in some of the other games that this probably draws inspiration from, I want to say, you know, like, um, the Assassin's Creed or Arkham Knights, the Arkham series... It seems like there's always uh, a disconnect of people attacking you at the same time. It, it seems like, you know, it's a little more like, I'm going to come at you, and then I'm going to come at you. Once you get all these guys in, you start getting more than one attacking you at the same time. Like, as you're be- beginning to parry one, you got another guy swinging his spear at your back, which I really enjoy. I, I like these bigger battles just for that fact. It is cha- more challenging. Um, see when by the point in the story uh or this point in the story i had already like done enough in the open world to get the um chain assassination skill all the way up um, so, so you're just dropping smoke bombs so i'm dropping and... smoke bombs and just chain assassinating <laughs> everybody <laughs> nobody stands a chance yeah i didn't find out how overpowered smoke bombs were until oh they are the most op and then uh you get all the crafting supplies so you can carry as many smoke bombs as you want or I think it's uh, I can carry up to five now, and but then once you find them and you like crap them or whatever and buy them, I just constantly have them filled up and I'm just murdering everybody. So oh my. see, I in this point in like in my Kurosawa mode, the only ghost tool I ended up using at all was the kunai, and that's because a tuna a little tutorial popped up and said, oh, you can throw this at this. Funny thing is, I didn't assassinate anybody with it because it popped up when I was chasing a bunch of pigs. Oh, dude! <laughs> so I threw it at it. The kunai is super fun to use too because, uh, like, you'll have somebody who's like running away or whatever, and I'll just <laughs> take my kunai and just phew, 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 and throw those at their back and just murder them. I do not care. No honor over here. <laughs> so, getting into that, since we're talking about the ghost tools currently, Jay says, "What is your favorite ghost tool?" Oh, smoke bomb. And okay, easy. Yeah, it's smoke bombs Stubbs? now that I know how okay. OP they are. What do you got, Stubbs? Uh, I don't have one. I barely use them. I Not not because okay. I don't sneak, but... All right. So, yeah, that's where, you know, that's about where I'm at. 
I, you know, I have them all unlocked, mm -hmm. but I don't think I don't. I think I have all but one maybe unlocked at this point. The sticky bomb um, is really satisfying. I will say that. But Jay also says, if you aren't really using them, why? So, um, and I think that just goes. I mean, y'all oh, go ahead. I, I, my why is I really, really like the sword combat. I find myself having so much more fun switching my stances, breaking their defenses, and then slaughtering them then switching to an item to throw it like it, that feels like a combat pace breaker to me i'd much rather just keep swinging my sword and parrying attacks and that's yes. where i think this game shines so well is to me that is the opposite of how i feel where i feel like it's more um it's not as fluid when I'm doing the, like the regular combat, but when I'm using the smoke bombs and like chain assassinating people, and then I'll come out of like my third assassination, throw a couple of kunai at some guys, stun them, and then come up and assassinate them. It's just like, it's almost like you're playing like water, right? You're just flowing through the enemies in a way. See, and that's what I feel like in the stances and the parrying. Like I hit that rhythm and I will parry every single, like I will not openly attack um, in my Kurosawa mode. Like, they have to attack. Once they attack, that's their mistake. I don't. I won't chase them down. Yep. Once they swing at me and I parry, they're done. Same. Like that's the end of mine. I don't chase them. Like I, I when you and now I've gotten to the point where they run away in fear if I do a perfect parry or the heavenly strike, and then it's just arrow to the back. As they yeah, stay think, in terror. I think the game flows well either way is what's really impressive because I'm mixing kunai and uh, smoke bombs all the time and it still feels fluid. But especially towards the end, I wasn't really using the ghost tools once you get all the stances because it is really easy to flow between the enemies when you can break their guard in a few hits. Right. And it's nice that everybody feels their flow yeah. differently and you can get that nice groove in any way that you want to play. Because even as I started over um, and I'm going mostly, I'm going all ghost with my color playthrough. And I love rolling or jumping and whipping three kunai at three guys oh yeah it is and when they fall to the ground and die and then you get the blood squirting out of their neck while they're laying on the ground that's fantastic <laughs> so i i understand both sections i i do enjoy my sword play over ghost so far but i haven't gotten that far in i think my second playthrough because i've only played a couple days for a few hours with the color playthrough, but I do really like that flow for either way you want to go. Um, and since we were talking about stances, Jay also says, do you switch stances every time you're not in the correct stance for an enemy? Or do you kind of just um, knock it out as whatever you're in? Uh, personally, I always use the, um, oh God, what is the stance for the spear class? Uh, water water yeah yeah i'm always in the water stance because it has a spin attack that you can do that is just super fun to use and maybe yeah i don't know which one that one is maybe that it's is wind wind yeah, stones for yeah. swords waters for shield yeah it's wind don't listen to that time bomb time guy. yeah so i'm i'm usually either <laughs> using wind or uh what'd you say the shield one was water water yeah water yeah so i'm i'm usually switching between those two because i feel like like the shield guys are the uh, the easiest to take down with water, obviously, but then the way that you move with the wind stance is like a dance, you know, with like the spin attack. And then I don't know if you guys have the ability where you do like the, um, you'll do like an attack and then you'll stop 
mid attack and then switch stances and then do another attack. Oh, is that the hesitate? There's a hesitate moment. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. But yeah, I think you have to unlock it. Um, yes. But once you add that into that that particular stance, it just feels so rhythmic in a way, like going back to you know just combat as a rhythm. It, it's it's something yeah. that just like I don't know. It's very and with tough. mine when I when I'm trying to switch stances. Sometimes I don't like it. Those are one of my nitpick things is that as I'm trying to switch stances and I hit R2 to hold down and press a button to switch. I'm picking up an item from a guy on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't switch and then I get a spirit of the face. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's happened. <laughs> that's about... one of my my nitpick things is just that yeah. that yeah. since that is your switch dance button and your pickup item button. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it the doesn't happen a lot. as a whole or just uh, it's kind of a problem because like the way that you switch the kunai and the smoke bombs and then you uh, have your heavy bow and then your medium bow and whatever the other throwable object is, I think it's sticky bombs. Having all those like L1, L2, R1 or whatever, I get confused all the time in the midst of battle. And I think that's why I die a lot is because I'll be like, oh shit, nope, I want to switch my stance. Oh shit, nope, I pulled out my kunai shit up. And then <laughs> just constantly. Yeah, they have, a, they have a lot of stuff mapped to that little controller. And I think they do a good job of making sure that you can switch between everything without going to a pause menu at all. But it can be overwhelming if you're if you're trying to use everything, especially if you're not just choosing a few things that you like. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't have that problem because all I'm ever doing is switching stances. I, I'm not going back and forth between items. Even when I go to my bow, I only ever go to the half bow. Um, the only time oh, I... see, I love, I love putting that long bow on and knocking those archers off those towers because when you hit them at full draw, Oh yeah, they, they shoot flying. like six feet in the back of the air, and man, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, was just, um, I found my using that a lot more, and I hate that I don't have as many arrows for that. <laughs> I I may switch to the longbow if I'm like hidden out in the grass to get a few shots in, but um, I I'm not like constantly switching my items around. Oh, I hear you. I mean, with this new color playthrough, I have the um, archer armor, which we'll get to later, but that upgraded all the way with the half bow you are a freaking monster with that thing you can knock and i have a charm that boosts the knock and aim speed mm-hmm. as well like you can just maul them down with that bow yeah that's when i run out of arrow in seconds have you guys used explosive arrows at all oh yet? dude those are, my, oh, yes. those are my babies i use them all the time <laughs> oh my babies are burning i have to like anything that lights a guy on fire in games is just I cannot control myself after, after I light something on fire. <laughs> when you come, but that's how I am. Like when you come up to like a village or whatever that uh, you have to kill all the Mongols, there is something so funny to me. It's like, I'll climb up on one of the houses and I'll take the explosive arrows and I'll do like the little whistle thing or whatever, to, like draw their attention and then just have them all group up and then just murder them so hard with an Oh yeah, arrow. when you throw like the I I have a you can throw the firecracker and bring a whole bunch of them and What's you the other, shoot what, is it a wind chime? I think it's a yeah. wind chime. Yeah, the wind chime's the first one you get yeah. and that's just one guy and then you get the firecracker and yep. that'll draw a group. Yeah, and then you just hit him with an explosive arrow and then yep. cuz it'll explode and then everybody around him is like what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah, and it'll start them on fire too. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yes, I, I do enjoy that. And since we're on the tools scenario, Jay, once again, what is the ghost tool or what ghost tools did you choo- for, choose first after the kunai? Oh, uh, do you remember the smoke, smoke bombs. bombs? Yep. I, uh, I took the wind chime. 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just got the wind chime and just because I don't use any of them. <laughs> yeah, I got the sticky bomb, but I rarely use them. I haven't used explosive much at all. I, I probably should. Seems useful now that you guys are talking so much about it. <laughs> explosive arrow is pretty dope. All right, so back to the tales here. Um, Kamatsu Forge, we just finished that up. So after that, um, Yuna's weaving her story about you as the our villagers are also doing the same. And she begins to tell people that you are a vengeful spirit back to slaughter the Mongols. And that's when the ghost first gets brought up as basically the beginning of your tale. As she refers to you to all those people as a ghost. Um, now, and they're all just kind of like, oh my god. After this moment, it does it pan back to the Khan and Shimura back at the castle? Is this when he tells him about his, how Jin's been acting? I don't remember if it's at this specific um, tale, but I do remember it does. Yeah, it, after one of these, it goes back and he says, I thought you were supposed to you, you you were supposed to fight with honor here. He's like, why am I finding my men being stabbed in the back? And Shamira's just like, um, I you know we don't do that. Yeah, he's like he doesn't believe that it's Jen. Yeah, he's like just dumbfounded that this is what is happening. You should believe it. <laughs> oh, yeah. it, well, he should believe it for everybody except for me apparently well it dropping one. smoke bombs and stabbing throats and you're done buddy i am curious if that scene did it pop up after that mission for everybody or is it or is it after a certain number of story missions that you've done yeah i see i i'm not sure, I'm not sure. when that one pops up i know it pops up after um I would assume it probably would be after one of the Yuna missions because those are the only ones that kind of force you into that fighting scenario. Yeah, because the other one doesn't really have anything to do with necessarily going after the Khan, I would say, in freeing Shimura. Yeah. Yuna seems like that's more of a streamlined main story where the other ones are more just character tales that come along with it. Yeah. Um, like, you still have to do them, for the most part to progress, but it's not like driving this, like you're asking all of them for help to do this, where Yuna already knows that she's going with you, even though she wants, like she's decided at one point that she's, once they get Taka back, they're gone. They're on a boat, they're history. She's not staying to help Jin. And then I think she just slowly starts to see something in him that she can't just bail. Like she owes him now. Um, just because of how everything is going. So after this, then we go to the tale of Sensei Ishikawa, which some of you may have done prior to the Yuna, but uh, this is just how we're structuring it. So, um, yeah, I just going up to his dojo because uh, you meet at the you meet that guy at the inn and begin to talk about him because you're like, why wasn't he at the battle? Like, you know, it's the best archer on this island and nobody knew where he was. No one knew where Ishikawa was. Um, so as you're going up there, once you finally get there, you see that there was an attack on his dojo. Oh, can I stop you um, real quick? Yeah. Because before, uh, I went up there, it was the first time I, I went to a hot spring and I saw that gin booty. So oh, the gin booty, <laughs> which by the way, um, my wife has been watching me stream and then we watched captain stub stream. 
And apparently in Kurosawa mode, Jin's booty looks a lot better than in color mode. Oh, wow. That's what Emmy says. So it must be true, right? I mean, yeah. What Emmy says. White Jin butt is a lot better than color Jin butt. I guess she's the the professional of the Japanese (laughs) booty (laughs) shot. <laughs> Just throwing. I have a few wife notes. Yeah. Um, she watched yeah. the stream. That is one of them. So I thought I'd one note. She one. loves Jin's booty. Oh, and I'm pretty sure I brought it up to Captain Stubbs as he was streaming that part. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to my, the point my where. Oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Uh, to, to the point where, as I ran by Hot Spring, you were like, "Oh no, Emmy wants to see this." <laughs> yep. I had, you had to, even though you had that Hot Spring already, you had. I had to have you stop and do that. Yeah. Yeah, my mom is watching me play the game, and she is uh, creepily into Jin's butt. We're like, how many screenshots have you taken? Shots of it the whole time. <laughs> Send it to her on her phone. <laughs> You're going to come home to a stagnant shot of Jin's butt on the TV. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be that. No, it's going to. It's going to be the. It's going to be the one where he exits the hot spring and you just get that side thigh butt for like, like, dude, for like five around. seconds when he first came out of the water. I was like, they're going to show this guy's dick. I, <laughs> we're, about, we're, we're about to see Don. Everybody. I really thought it was going to happen. I was, uh, I was not prepared. I was, oh, but they it was surprising that they didn't. You know, it's good they didn't go that far. They subverted my expectations again. <laughs> So as you're up there talking to Ishikawa, you find out that he was attacked. Um, he wasn't able to make it to the beach to help because he was assaulted um, by what he thought then was bandits. And he thought that um, his understudy is uh, Tomo, I believe their name is. Tomoe. And- Tomoe, yeah. Tomoe? Okay. I played in Japanese. There's a little difference there. So anyway, as you, you, you start to track um, these footprints and whatnot, and you find her quiver, um, uneaten food. So you, Ishikawa fears the worst. He thinks she's dead or they kidnapped her because this is clearly her stuff. Um, she wouldn't leave that quiver. I think he says that he gave that to her at some point. And um, I don't remember if he brings it up to you or you bring it up to Ishikawa that uh, fear is a weapon. And not to let the Mongols use it against him. I can't remember if that is. I don't have it noted. Um, but I don't remember if that's Jin telling Ishikawa because he fears the worst, or if it's Ishikawa telling Jin. I'm pretty sure that's Ishikawa telling Jin. Okay. Anyway, we carry on further. We get to Fort Nakayama, which is where the um, I think the bow tutorial starts on that path. When he gives you the bow, you got to shoot the three lanterns. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. First time I wasn't very good at the arrow drop. And that last one, I think I missed the first time. And then I felt like a big pile of crap. <laughs> <laughs> I think he says something to you if you miss it. And like, oh, Jesus Christ, come on. After you get done telling him, oh, yeah, it feels like this bow was made for me. He's like, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even hit these freaking candles. I'm going to show you how to shoot a bow. I don't think so. And he's like, get your ass back in that hot spring. Yeah. Get in the hot spring. Show me some of that booty. <laughs> Maybe we'll practice. Really <laughs> <laughs> it's like a turn. This game just went 
It's like a hey, hard left. He's the one who sits on a hill above a hot spring watching dudes bathe. All right. He should cobble well, a weird may guy. not be dudes. Like maybe he's watching. Yeah, not always dudes. I'm uh, everything. When you're walking walking through there, it's like mostly dudes just hanging outside. Oh, in that oh, town, yes. Yeah. yeah, okay. That the that one that he sits that above. Yeah. I was thinking there was another like just the solo hot spring, not the actual No, the one the Hayashi one he lives Springs, above. right? Yep. Yeah, Hayashi Springs. Yep. Yeah. Oh, by the way, anyway, uh, Hiyoshi Springs, did you guys get all of the like tutorials there cuz I missed almost all of them and had to go back and find, oh, this there's a tutorial for the hot springs here. There's a tutorial yep. for the haikus here. That was yeah. where I found the haiku the first time because when we I started the uh the mission right there, you walk past the haiku and I was like, "Hold up. Wait a minute, I'll be right back. Got to write a haiku." <laughs> and then I came back and finished the mission. I, I, so here's the thing. Um, I think in Kurosawa mode, I also had the expert HUD on. Speech bubbles and little things above characters' heads do not pop up oh, in this mode oh. unless you are directly in front of them talking to them. Oof. Yeah. So I missed. I think I got the bamboo because I think the bamboo is there. The first one is there as well. Um, but yeah, and I know Kyle Hilliard said the same thing. He had one haiku left to platinum his game. And the one he did not have is the one in Hayashi Springs. So like the funny thing about that for me is I talked to the guy who said like, oh yeah, I used, I used to write uh, haikus with uh, your uncle Lord Shimura. Just go down there and write a haiku. And I was like, cool. And I turned around and went up to Lord Ishikawa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never, yeah, I never went to that the I was probably like, what a dick. <laughs> I told him to go that way and he runs the complete opposite way. This is the hope of our island. Right? I'm this guy. Like, have you heard of the ghost of Tsushima? Yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> yeah, I, I did the same thing, but much later. I'd already done all the Ishikawa missions and I came back and I found the haiku guy. I was like, oh, it's haiku tutorial guy. And then I still ran over to Ishikawa's mountain because I thought that's where he was <laughs> <laughs> maybe ishikawa knows about these ideas <laughs> yeah but anyway once you oh wait, go ahead i had to go back in my second playthrough and get that haiku <laughs> yeah, there was one that i missed uh i missed the fear one but we'll get to that later um so you get to fort nakayama which um is the tutorial for all things that are super fun to wreak on your enemies this is where you learn to shoot wasp nests, um, mm. to shoot the um, lighted fixtures so they rain ash and fire on your opponents. I love that. Like, that is such barrel. a fantastic little thing that you can do. So the first time I did it, um, I he, you know he's like, wait for the sign. So you know I get my bow drawn and I'm ready, and I hadn't. I've only used the bow three times so far, and not really thinking about it. I was more along the Skyrim aspect of, oh, I could just hold this fucking forever. And he did not give me the signal, but I had already had my arrow knocked and drawn. And as it starts shaking, I just let one loose. Luckily, I hit the wasp nest. But I feel like, again, I disappointed Ishikawa. I'm not <laughs> I'm not a good understudy for this man. Um, how, how did you guys go about that? Um, I think I pretty much... Wasp nest and burn them. Yeah, I hit the wasp nest and then I ran in. You just sliced them up? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> it doesn't surprise me, Stubbs, once we get to another point. Yeah. I will tell you I can... another thing that I found strange that you did. Yeah, I, I already know <laughs> what you're talking about because it's in my head too. 
Uh, Panda, what'd you do? Throw smoke bombs and just uh, not shoot arrows at all? No, no, I shot the shit out of them. Um, oh, okay. I think I just stayed up there and I shot the wasp nest. I set them on fire and then I just unloaded the rest of the arrows into them as they came out and running to help their friends. And then I they probably assassinated whoever was inside after that. Oh, yeah, because I think once you get the outside guys, you have to approach to kind of see the other guys and it kind of just turns into a free for all. Tack, how'd you do it? Yeah, so I hit the wasp nest and then I missed the barrels with like three arrows in a row because I'm super bad. And then I hit the barrels, but they were already past the barrels because I missed so many times. Uh, and, just and I just fought them with my sword. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> this is the tutorial part for the bow. You know, nobody. <laughs> I'm glad I am not the only one who has disappointed Ishikawa as a master. Um, so after you do all this, um, you start searching around. You start finding the Mongol arrows with the Japanese arrows, and things start to come together. You start to believe that. Um, Tomoe is the bad guy or has joined with them which you know becomes clear and present um, as you're doing this though the first time when I was doing it on my Kurosawa playthrough I was inside the house when you hear the peasant um, screaming and then you go and run to him the next time I was actually on the outside and you actually see him climb out of that box with the little hole in it that God only knows what they stick in that box with him. Did you guys notice that? Oh, no. No, I, I didn't know that at all. Okay, so there's this huge crate that's got a single hole in the side of it. Um, how many of you guys have seen Hook? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it, but it's been a long time. Man. Okay, so they have the boo box that they put the pirate or the traders in, and then they drop scorpions into this box. I don't know if they do something as crazy as this, but there is a part, a side mission later that I have. Um, I'll just talk about it now, but they actually talk about one of their friends being impaled mm -hmm. on an anthill and screaming. I, I oh, do yeah. remember that. Days, yep. I think. Yep. And I'm like, I can only think what this, they did to this poor guy in the box. And he gets out and tells you that a woman did this to him. And immediately, you know, you know that this is her. Like she is the one. And he's like, she just went full blown. I'm going to start torturing this guy because he gets out and he's like, just please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. And he just dies. Yeah. Like he's just done for. And then that's when Ishikawa, like it flips and he's like, I pushed her. And, um, what does he say? Cause he says he should have killed her and he, because he pushed her too hard. Um, I don't remember what she did. Um, do you guys remember oh, specifically the line of dialogue? What he, he did? I don't think he said him. He doesn't say it right here. I don't believe it's, I think it's a, another mission or two later where he goes into kind of how she flips on him and yeah. he kind of I comes he, down I with the hammer. Just like a one tiny little thing. Like I know he says at this point, he, that he, he hints that, yeah, he hints her. at it, I think, but it's not until a couple missions later where he finally is like, this is what happened. This yeah. was my response. Well, at, at the end of the mission, Jin gets or at the quest, Jin gets angry and he's like, you know, what the fuck is going on? Like, what do you know that you're not telling me? And then he actually says it wasn't bandits that attacked him. It was her. And this like is the one that attacked him. And so at the start of this mission, right, Ishikawa is, is supposedly thinking that she's dead or whatever, that the Mongols captured her. Do you think yes. he really truly believes that? Or do you think in his mind he already knew, like, she's going to betray us? I'm thinking that he already knew and he's using 
this to teach you. Not so much to teach you, but uh, he's getting you ready to understand what he tells you later. Yeah, no, that 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 makes a lot of sense thinking about Ishikawa as a character and like his brutal lessons. Like instead of just telling you what he what he's done and who this person is, he's going to show you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think he he's definitely he definitely knows. Like I, I think it's unlikely that after the altercation they had and then her running away, that uh, he believed that she wasn't like betraying them. Yeah. So as you go along, the next one is the sensei and the student. Um, and as you begin talking to Ishikawa, he tells you that you know she's not like somebody you have faced before. Like she has no hesitation. She had all of the skills with the bow when he she came to him to learn. Um, and there was just something about like she had the raw talent. He's like, it was useless. It would have been useless in a battle. But she had she could hit arrow after arrow like dead eye. She just needed the training. And so that's why he took her on. But he's like, you have to treat her almost like a demon. She's a fearless born killer. Um, she's not going to stop. Like, and he, he specifically tells you, like, you do not know who she is or what she is capable of, which I think goes back to, like, how he was getting you ready. To, like, he's trying to make you understand in his weird ways of how he teaches people. I think that's one of the things about this storyline, though, that it was hard for me to grasp is, like, it seemed like from the jump, he kind of had the understanding of how brutal her nature was. But yet he continued to try to train her anyways, regardless. He just thought he could teach it out of her. He could make her, she could rise above that and be something better, but she didn't want to. This is a Qui-Gon Jinn situation. Yes, yeah. this is very, this is, it, yes, this is the student and the master. And then uh, this is even more than that. This is Obi-Wan and Anakin. Where Anakin is just like, you know, son of a bitch, they Star wars me. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, Obi, he thinks Obi-Wan is holding him back when he's just trying to get him to where he needs to be, not where he thinks he should be. You were the chosen one. <laughs> so you that... think there's going to be a battle like this between Ishikawa and Tamoy, where oh. he has the higher ground. Is there a volcano? <laughs> is there a volcano oh. on Fisherman that there is going to be a battle in lava where she slides down into the lava screaming I hate you as she burns? Well is, is, is he is he gonna cut her legs off first? No, you just pin him pin him with the arrows on the ground. Do you think and we get to fight Fisherman too? She'll be like part robot. It's gonna be like Sekiro. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we get to fight Tomoe? Fight who? Tomoe on the beach, and she has a moment about coarse sand. So I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> we have to kiss her then. There has to be a romantic thing happening at that point. Um, but as, as we're going on with this, I believe you had to, like, um, is it an archery range? And Jin says the best way to rid yourself of an enemy is to befriend, befriend them. And Ishikawa says, is that not what the Mongols did to Tomoe. They ridded, they got rid of their enemy by making her an ally. And that's what Jin wants to do back to her again. But he has, a, Ishikawa has this disbelief in like, you know, they did this already. She made her choice. 
Like this is her hard line drawn in the sand. But I mean, at this point, we're back to um, the weird. I'm going to teach you a lesson here, stupid Jin. You have to climb this mountain. So you climb the mountain and you run to the other side and he's standing right there. And you're like, what the fuck, old man? You said we had to climb the mountain. And he's like, is that I, you, I didn't have to climb the mountain. I said you had to climb the mountain. <laughs> and you're thinking, this is the only path. And this guy is just here like, how the hell did he make it over here? Bastard's got like ninjutsu and he could teleport. I just thought that was a great moment because, you know, it wasn't him. It's him teaching you a lesson again. Like, he's like you could use the exercise. You're young. Yeah, it certainly gave I'm me a, it was a source of frustration in that moment of like, Ishikawa, you. you All right. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you choke on your fish heads. I mean, on that, do you guys like Ishikawa at all? I mean, I, I think he's kind I of like I, I enjoy him as a character. I think, you know, what he's trying to do makes sense because he you got to look at him as a character. Like, look at the other character tales you have so far um you know yuna is taking you in the complete opposite direction that you want to go ishikawa is trying to make you go the way you're supposed to go well by right? this point since Evil i did school. it in a different order i had already met masako and so oh, i yeah. met ishikawa afterwards and i was like nah man like you, you ain't it <laughs> this you ain't it <laughs> you're not all rage and yeah suffering I think um, um, I think overall I'm warm on Ishikawa, but there's definitely moments of like, I want to smack this prick. Yeah, he he comes around, especially towards the end of the act, it, where it's like, okay, I, I get it, but like those first couple missions, I was like, I fucking hate this old man. I don't want to. I don't want him to train me. Yeah, I feel that. But yeah, he definitely has that characteristic of old Japanese movies of the master. Like that really fits in with a lot. Oh of, yeah, even for, like for sure. not samurai, but like any of the Shaw brothers movies. So any of the old kung fu movies, it has that very strict um, master scenario going on in his mentality. So I mean, with that, then you continue on um, his little teaching. So then you observe um, that you get to the tower. And you start, uh, or you see the tower across the way, and you're looking at a bunch of arrows. And again, it's the mixed arrows. And I think um, there was a couple Mongols there executing, you know, villagers at like point blank range with bows, practicing practicing their skills like right next to them. And then you go and you find um, some more of these uh, arrows between the Mongols and the Japanese. And Ishikawa tells you go check out the target, and you're like. There's no target. What the fuck are you talking about? And then he just whips his bow out and shoots freaking 120 yards to the other side where this tower is and gets a freaking bullseye. He's like, over there, you idiot. Go look at that. So you run over there only to find their severed heads in a freaking bag. And that's what they're using as target practice, which I thought was just Jesus Christ. Yep. <laughs> I thought that was uncalled for. <laughs> Seems excessive. Oh, it's un I, it makes sense. To establish the Mongols, oh, like yeah. again, getting back to like you don't know what they're gonna do. Like, yeah, they're very good at establishing. Are, Mongols are are super big dicks. Like, like hate these people. Yeah. they play soccer with your head. I think later on they actually show them shooting at uh, people tied to stakes, right? Um, it, it very well could be in one of yes. the camps uh, as you're doing another Ishikawa mission. 
Oh. I think that might have been uh, Yuna's mission when you're sneaking above. When yeah, okay. Yeah. They definitely execute oh, yeah. a bunch with arrows. Okay, I have them crossed, my bad. That's okay. We're working through it. It's a learning process. <sighs> I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're going along, um, you, you you know, he's... You get ambushed as you look at the the head in the thing. And they all start coming out. And I think at one point, Jin says something. Like, are you going to shoot your bow as you're fighting? And he noticed, like, I, I didn't really notice because, you know, I'm just all in, like, okay, it's time to kill these guys. Uh, you know, I don't need your help. But then after it, you actually approach him. He's like, were you going to fire? And he's like, well, I needed to see. Ishikawa says, I needed to see how you were going to act in this scenario. Like, in an ambush, he needs to know that you're somebody that they are entrusting the future of this island, basically, to you. Like, he knows you need... Or he needs to know that you can react correctly and handle yourself. It. Yeah, and handle yourself. So you're back to this master, um, the sensei and the student, basics, the name of the actual quest. So mm -hmm. it, it just really establishes like he wants to teach you, but he wants you to do it his way. Yeah, you have and to then, meet him at the table. And at this point, even he said to me, which. And I'm sure it's just based dialogue, but he's like, how you just fought, I don't, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. um, and he's referring to, I assume that the rest of you were smoke bombing and slitting throats. Uh, yeah, so you better believe it, Tommy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was, was curious. So, got that line. so as he's talking to you like that, he's like, okay. He's like, he literally says straight to your face. I am not going to train another monster. Referring to how you went about the killing and not doing it with honor, where at that point, you know, it could be either way. They just kind of throw that line because they don't know how anybody's going to play. They could probably have thrown different things in there, uh, like two different lines of dialogue, but it is what it is. But basically, you know, he's just he doesn't want you to go that path, even though that path is going to happen at some point. Um, so yeah, so there's your sensei and the student again, like that whole one is just your scenarios, your teaching lessons, I think, because as you go on to the next one, um, I think that's when you start to learn the tactics that Ishikawa taught Tomoe. And then you're going to, I think this is where you start your defense of the hot springs. Um, oh yeah. So you start doing the, you go back up to his dojo and then you're looking over the hot springs Yeah, and you do the little, um, the scouting report, basically how you move it to the X yep. and then you hit it and it's like, okay, well this will work good. You know, you put him on this road or I would attack this way. So you use those scouting techniques to try and figure out what Tomoe would do in locating all these different, uh, scenarios. And then you just start making your way through that path. And knocking them out because you know, or you're pretty confident you know where she has her Mongols um, sitting. What, so one of the things I like about this part where you're trying to defend is uh, Ishikawa kind of says, like, this is what I taught her, so this is how she's going to think. And you're kind of going into her mind in a way of how we can defend from a defense that he taught her. And I, I thought that the way that they kind of incorporated 
his lessons and then creating a new lesson to counteract a lesson that he has already taught somebody. It was really intriguing. Yeah. And so like, as he's doing that, like, um, that's when they begin to talk about what actually happened or they start to hint at what actually happened to Ishikawa and why he was no longer in service and started the dojo. And that ties in to why he took Tomoe as a understudy, as a student. Um, I don't think they go into it at full right now, but they talk about Nago and um, because he asked them, what do you think happened to me? And Jin said, Sh Lord Shimura said that Ishikawa grew close to a commoner and that Nagao had to cover it up because um, it was dishonorable. And Ishikawa just lets out this huge laugh. And Jin's very confused by it because this is just what he was told. He, he's not understanding like what actually happened at this point because it, he just believes what his uncle said. So he questions, he's like, well, you weren't forced out? And Ishikawa is like, you know, Samurai always has a choice. There's always a yes or a no. It's not as easy as like, no, you're doing this. Um, so I like how that just begins to hint in his story. Like you start to find there's more to what you are already led to believe about this man, so to say. Like there's, he didn't just start this dojo to teach people. Like something happened and forced him down this path. And that's why he took her as his understudy and why things may have gone the way they have gone. Yeah. It's great that every little bit of this game has reason for things to be where they are. Yeah. There's always, there's always a reason. It's not like there's, oh, this is just over here because it is like, this is just what it is. Something is leading this to go that way. Even with a lot of these side quests, something is pushing it in that direction. Like a lot of them, even for the side quests are linked, even though they're not linked. Like, you can tell this common story just by um, ones in certain areas. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. As we're going along, um, you find, like, tons of bodies, and they're just all, like, just destroyed with arrows. So you start talking about Tomoe again, and he's like, well, she was Ishikawa says she was persuaded by wealth, power, and status to join the Mongols because that's something she never had. Like, she was born in as, like, low status, like, she doesn't, like, Jin can't understand what she is oh. because he was never in that position. And that's kind of one of the reasons that when Ishikawa saw her and saw so much promise in her, he wanted to raise her above that so she could be what she wanted to. You know, um, you know this may just be me, but I'm realizing a lot of parallels between this story and uh, <laughs> the more overarching story as I listen back yeah. to all these specifics, Tom. Well, that's, you know, that's why we're doing this fantastic journey here. Um, so, yeah, I did all these so long ago. Like Ishikawa was the first <laughs> tail set that I did. And then I did open world stuff for two weeks. And then I kind of came back and did the end of the other story. So, it was, yeah, it's, yeah, I started with the open world stuff and ended on the stories. But still, again, like I went like these are ones that I went back through. I tried to go through all of the main story ones that I could on my playthrough before the open world stuff. So I could get these beats maybe a little more figured out. Yeah. Like, because there's a lot that you don't know when you first do it. And then when you play it again, you're like, oh, well, this makes sense now. Yeah. So, yeah, this is when he talks about her showing up at his dojo with her father's like makeshift bow. And she's just sinking arrow after arrow after arrow with the talent like I was alluding to before. 
and um but she's just like straight killer spirit like and ishikawa just feels so bad he's like i should have noticed this early on like there was this character flaw that i didn't want to see because i wanted her to be me or be better than me basically like what all thing what all senseis want of their student is to be the better version of themselves just like parents like you, you don't see the little flaw at the bottom because that's not what you were looking for um so then you start fighting with some more mongols you know lots of mongols here running around but as you kill the one the leader says he has a message for ishikawa that all of hiroshi springs will suffer just as hironori naga and jin asks he's like well did nagao train with you ishikawa and he's like no he's like she's just spreading lies to tear us apart like that's bullshit like you know, don't believe her. She's crazy, Tom. She's drunk on sake and killing people with bows and arrows. Everything's fine. <laughs> so that's, that's, after you take out, uh, I think it's four or five of those little outposts, um, then you get ready for the big one. Then uh, you move on to the way of the bow, and you know they are coming for the springs. So as you're talking to um, Ishikawa, I think this is when... Is this when they attack your dojo? Yes, this is, they attack your dojo as you're sitting there. And um, Ishikawa shouts out, one arrow, one death. And he just starts picking these guys off as they're running. Like, this is when he actually starts fighting with you, I believe. I don't think he's fought with you a lot. Like, he did a little bit on that um, the previous quest. But on this one, like, he just starts taking guys out. Like, it's nobody's business. So you can actually rely on him as a companion at this point rather than just uh, uh, moving along. So after you kill all those guys, you know, then it's, you know, it's on. So then you hear the screaming from the town and you run. I believe you find a whole bunch of villagers on the way and tell them to go hide in the, in one of the buildings. And then you're going to take um, part in this massacre of the Mongols. That's about to start. And I think, this is where you get the flame arrows. Does anybody remember? I don't remember if you got them before this. Uh, yeah, I don't remember either. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's I think you get them here because this is when you start to light the long grass on fire because that's what he tells you to do. And oh, yeah, I'll yeah. tell you right now, I lit, I lit those fields on fire and I did not kill anybody with it. Oh, man. But this, yeah, is, the, was... this is the the attack where they start coming at you in waves and it's just you and Ishikawa on that mound um, by the wagon. Yeah, I was kind of expecting like almost Far Cry three, like set a little fire and then they're all just gonna get burned to death. But it was oh yeah, like, it just spreads, like spreads ungodly. Yeah, and it and it just burns like a little bit and it'll like flame for a while. But they seem the enemies seem a lot smarter in that if you do it a little bit too soon, they avoid that area. Oh yeah, like, for sure. They're not just mindless drones that just run through it and start on fire. Um, and what got me is I was only looking the one direction and then little did I know there was another path off to the left, like up higher. And all of a sudden I have like three of the guys with dual wielding swords hacking at me. And at that point, you know, the bow becomes null and void <laughs> because you're trying to hit them and you got four archers or five archers on the hill just knocking arrows at you. And it's like, good Lord. You're just trying to dodge them and 
spin yeah. around. But uh, that was a very I did like I really like that fight. That was a good fight, even though I got bested. I didn't die, but I didn't get as many with arrows as I would like to or wasp nests and all the fun stuff they had set out for me. I didn't notice quick enough um, to use those tools to my advantage. So you're counting it as a loss. I like I said earlier, I have been failing Ishikawa pretty much my whole game. The second you so brought far, the swords out, he's like, son of a bitch. He did it again. <laughs> like he's just gonna pull out that his bow and shoot me in the back of the head and just, you know, start over. He'll find a new kid. Yeah. It is it's like this kid. guy is really not catching on to the fact that I'm trying to train him. What is he doing? <laughs> he just keeps pulling his swords out, throwing smoke bombs, jabbing people in the neck and the back. Whipping explosives at him. I didn't teach him that. that. <laughs> He's mad at somebody. It ain't going to be me. Uh, so, yeah, after you do this, um, Tomoe shoots an arrow at you. Well, you don't know it's her, like, right away, but an arrow hits, like, right next to you. Look up, and she's burning the Nagao banner that is up at Ishikawa's uh, dojo. And then he finally lets you in on uh, the deeper story of why she's doing it. Um he says that he comes clean to the fact that he did train Nagao and that he learned from example, um, but he went too fast and ended up leading the rebellion and lost after defeating like a bunch of the who also was Nagao at the time is just a different one. I don't remember their first names, um, but he defeated a bunch of his men and then got cast out or he actually got I think he got killed while during the rebellion so then yeah everybody blamed Ishi ishikawa so he was granted enough mercy because of what he knew and what he had done in the past to um resign and then just start his dojo and that's why he took her on as his student um and she he told her all of this so she already understood like what he had done so it's more now you understand that she is rebelling against him and torturing him. And she's attacking that town because that is where he was born. That is his town. So she's doing it purely just to torture him. But isn't this also the moment where he tells Jin, like, this is why I wasn't on the beach that night because he was out like hunting her or that was the night that she tried to kill him. That was the night she tried to kill him. Yeah. You you learned that, I think, at the end of the first quest. Like, he yeah, tells you, so. like, it wasn't bandits. It was her. Okay. But you, this is more of an understanding of what happened, why Previously, yeah. she did that. So she somehow became just infuriated with him. And as soon as he pushed her at that one point, um, that she lost it. So now it is straight vendetta time for her. Like, she hates Ishikawa at this point is how I feel. But plus side, you have now saved Hiyoshi Springs, which I forgot to mention earlier. Ishikawa said, just let her win. Um, let her take the town. So she drops her guard and then we'll kill her. Yeah, that was weird. That's when I was like, maybe I don't like this Ishikawa guy because he seemed like the one straight samurai out of the like three that you have tales with so far. But that was very not yeah, straight then, samurai. Yeah, you find that other thread that's just like, why... Would you, and I think what it leads to is it was his, it was a tactic for him to use so that she would then drop her guard and be like, yes, I won. And then as she's celebrating and guards down, bam, arrow in the back of the head. And knowing how he would have done it, he probably would have made 
you shoot her in the back of the head. <laughs> then yell yeah, you you're a monster. You shoot her in the back of the head. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you're smoke bombing, stabbing throats. She's done. So that leads us to the end of our Ishikawa tale so far. Um, he pledges that he will fight with you um, to save Lord Shimura, which then leads us to Lady Masako, who has probably one of the most heartbreaking tales Ugh. so far. Ugh. Breaks my um, heart. Just starting, but not even knowing, because my first playthrough, you don't know that that was her husband that got burned and decapitated. Um, but even now knowing that, like that playing back through, it makes it even harder because at first you're just like, okay, he died just with the rest of the samurai. You know, he was just doing this. You probably didn't know he was the one that got lit on fire and like massacred. Thank God. Jin does not say that. Do you think that he at some point will tell her or do you think that he will save that? Like, do you think at some point she finds his body because mm -hmm. we didn't i know we'll get to it but you don't find him no but uh you find a lot of the other ones though <laughs> but then again i mean he did get burned like they probably just let him burn yeah like, there probably wasn't much left but you think he would have found his armor anyway as we begin masako tale here i think we start off by um I think you do you start in the golden temple for this uh or do you actually uh, go to the adachi I, I think you're at the estate yeah yeah you, you get jumped by some goons there yeah yeah okay oh, okay so yeah you go to the adachi estate and um you find you have to start doing your little investigation oh and i remember this part you find a doll on the windowsill um like a kid's doll, like a toy. Yeah, like they were trying to rush people out of the building. Yep, and I think there's a little bit of blood on there, and you see that child's toy. So that's this is one of those things where it just starts um, from the beginning. Masako's tale is just it makes you feel awful, like you really feel for her as you're going through this. So as you 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 go around looking for all the evidence, and then I think you go to the guest house or the shed or whatever is next to it. And a bunch of guys jump you out, jump out on you and start attacking you. Um, I think it's only like four guys that, you, you know, you can probably beat them one smoke bomb, a couple stabby stabs in the neck. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not even a challenge. Um, and then you start your investigation again and you find that um, they fled on, you start following these uh, bloody footprints, I believe. And like you found that they've, you follow the path and you just keep seeing arrows and blood and arrows and blood. Eventually you come on a horse that's just downed with um, arrows in it. And I think that's where you meet Masako as she's standing there as she was um, going back as well. Um, I don't know if she was taking care of some of the guys, but because you're not too far away. Once you meet up with her, you start going to the Golden Temple. And I think on the way you pass the graveyard. And she starts telling you about how she buried the family there. And she didn't want to because they should be somewhere else. Um, buried with um, a different part of their family or something. And then if you actually look on these graves, one of them has the same like child's doll. Uh, one has a little fan. And 
I think there's one more, but I don't remember what was on the grave. I didn't write it down, but I know there was something else on one of the graves. And I think those were the children because she said she stayed to fight with her son's wives um, mm-hmm. to fend off the bandits. So as they're fighting them, like she's like, it's just they're fighting and fighting. And pretty soon it's just it's just her. Like she's the only one left. And um, so she buried them all. And after you meet her, she asked you, this is where she asked you about her husband. And I specifically wrote down, Jin doesn't say he got lit on fire and then decapitated. Yeah, your husband got lit on fire and decapitated. <laughs> Sorry. He tells her like, you know, he died with honor defend or um, defending against the Mon- Mongols or whatever. And she's like straight up tells Jin, she's like, Clan Adachi is dead. They, you know, we were murdered by our own people. And Jin's like, I will do anything. Like, I will help do all I can to help the family of samurai. Like, this is my concern. And she's like, no, you'll just get killed. And he's like, no, I won't. Trust me. I throw smoke bombs. Can I, I stab people in their throats. <laughs> I am a thief in the night. They will never see me coming. Um, so as they go on, she talks about the night her sons left to fight the Mongols. That's when the assassins showed up. Like they knew when to attack. They knew everybody was going away and it would just be the women and that her, you know, sister took the children and fled. Um, and she's like buried them. And isn't that like when she was talking about, uh, all of them that got murdered, doesn't she say that one of them was like carrying a baby? Um, well, she just says, she says, uh, I don't know if it's specifically a baby, um, towards the end of the quest. Like, so as you're going along, you find out that it was Sogan, um, in the golden temple. And she tells you to tell him what happened to like, she already knows at this point that he is involved. Um, it is later told to you that this is what happens, but. So as you get to the Golden Temple, little side uh, note here. Philly Yeet Steak says, <laughs> At the Golden Temple, where there are a bunch of vendors and the gift shelter is, he continuously burned himself by accidentally trying to walk over campfires. He would take damage and Jin would make loud grunts and would scare the crap out of him every time. He says he probably accidentally did this half the times he goes to the Golden Temple. I have never done this. Have you burned yourself on campfires? I have burned myself on a campfire many a time. I I, I may have a few burn marks on my feet. I, I don't See? think I have. Okay. Well, there goes my theory of this is what you get for fighting like a coward. But <laughs> Tactical Dreamer has already told us that he is making oh, yeah. it rain blood over there and has not burned himself. So I guess well, that theory does not... I think it's just if you um, play with absolutely zero abandonment and have no idea what you're doing sometimes and you're just gawking at the scenery and then sometimes you step into I can understand that there because even in Kurosawa mode, the Golden Temple is breathtaking. Like, I understand with color it is something else, but in Kurosawa mode, it is like so white and pristine, these leaves that are all over the place. It like it literally I understand it's the golden temple. And even though it was like grayscale for me, 
I got it. Like there was this like heavenly tone almost just by the leaves and everything that was there. And it's actually, this is kind of like the only place that people are congregating currently, like on a big scale. Yeah. Jin sends a lot of the, uh, the people he saves from the Mongols just on the road to uh, the golden temple. So yeah, that's, it makes sense. Like that's why there's so many of them there. So as you're doing this, this is also where you are introduced to my favorite armor set, which is the samurai clan armor. After you talk to Sogen and give him all the deets and he's like, Oh no, she should really come stay here so I can stab her in the throat while she's sleeping. Oh, um, he said that? You, I didn't catch that. No, he, it, was, it was subtext. Oh, I say subtext. <laughs> <laughs> so as you go, she tell uh before you got there, Masako tells you to stop by the armor that she has um some armor being worked on there for you to pick up. So you go over there, and yes, this is probably my favorite armor set and the one that I use specifically, um, at least like the actual armor set, maybe not so much the helmet or the mask, but um, this Samurai Clan armor set is what I use. And you find out that it was actually her sons, one of her sons that was being repaired there. So in that sense, I felt I had to wear it just because she gave it to me at that point and after you find out all the stuff that happens to her it's like you this is how you get her revenge for her yeah i definitely wore maybe, that, that armor like as soon as i got it for that next Masako mission and then maybe at some point you know you're making her proud because she sees you as her son do you get like that kind of like hinting as you start going along yeah Maybe not just specifically because you're wearing the armor, but that subtext as you're helping her. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, the, like if her son was the one who happened to live through battle, that like this is what he would be doing. Right. He would be the one. He would be the ghost. <laughs> no, he wouldn't be the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> then you could be the ghost and dishonor yourself all you want. <laughs> he would be the honorable savior. And you would be the thief in the night. Um, but this then again starts another um, tailing mission. Actually, is this is this the first tailing mission? Have you tailed anybody up to this point? I don't I think, think so. I think this, it, yeah, I think this is the first one. Because I think you actually do a couple tailing for Masako as you're going along. So after you tail him, you know, you find his little hideout because, of course, he's little rat after you told him all that he goes running away to tell the conspirators obviously um and this uh holds one of the most frustrating things and powerful scenes i think that we see uh frustrating in that she does not give two shits about tact she just goes running in and starts hacking at people and shouting and it's like well at this point i can't do a standoff anymore and we're just i guess this is it here we go <laughs> let's run in and start attacking these people so as you fight all the mon or the there's our mongols these are actually uh her people so as you're fighting this clan that is undecided so far he runs away uh Selgen. so you find him up in the loft of this house and it he start she he starts saying something and Masako just loses it. 
starts screaming that they killed her family and they were just children and she just starts going ham on him with her sword starts cutting him up um and you're just like jen's just standing there he's like well guess we're not gonna find anything out from him <laughs> like literally that's what he said he's like oh great uh i think he well, says the line like, like we could have kept him alive or something yeah like something to that effect and it's just like oh and she's like well look around there's got to be something there just, trying to like pass it off does anybody blame Lady Masako in this situation, though? No, absolutely not. Like I said, this is probably like when she is screaming that they were children, you can like there are tears in her eyes. Like you can feel like this emotion of heartbreak that she just continuously has throughout her character tale. And you just feel for her. like I in no way, shape or form do I not condone what happened. Yeah, totally. Good. In fact, yeah. he got off easy, really. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah, his right death there. was way too quick. Yeah, like he easily could have suffered for a long time. Yeah, so I think she she does some things later that are maybe less justified, but this was definitely like go for it, girl. Yeah, like you do this. This is this is your vengeance for the moment. If this gives you any sort of peace right now, go for it. Like this is your time. So anyway, you have to go and look and find some sort of evidence. Luckily, you find this. Nice list of conspirators, which had Sogan, Sadao, um, which we end up encountering. Uh, we do not see Mai, Kajiwara, and Omura um, in this act, I don't believe. Uh, at least I don't remember those names popping up. Um, and then you also find a clan symbol, but you don't know what the clan symbol is. You ask her, she doesn't know what the clan symbol is, but she has seen it on the men she killed at her house that night. So you know that there is some weird clan that showed up with the Mongols or prior to the Mongols and are using this as a backdrop to kill her. So I'm wondering how much of a backstory there is going forward to something that had happened with their family that somebody is coming back for revenge. I guess we'll find out because we don't know what happens. We can speculate. Yeah. So as we, I, I don't. I mean, they don't really say anything about them dishonoring any other family, right? It was more like no. Like this was specifically targeted at the at, at Masako yeah. and the um, the the Adachi estate. So I mean, it may not even be in the lifetime of Masako and her husband. Like oh yeah, know, just something like something, something like a long goes. time ago, just like yeah. some blood feud between. Yeah. And I'm wondering families. if that's what we're gonna find out along the way here if that's actually what's going on and like this is some clan of like somebody's second uncle at some point that they didn't let have rice and drink sake or something like something completely blown out of proportion or who knows like you never know so as you go forward now we go to the headman um quest which starts at the kuta farmstead so this is when you start tracking down sadao and you meet his brother Hachi, who's got that cart, and he's talking to his horse like a crazy person. Um, and he's delivering all these messages for the Mongols and Saki. And I remember the Mongols are pissed because he didn't bring them any Saki this time. All he brought was a note. Uh, and they're just like, well, this is bullshit. But then you find out more um, about a rebellion that had happened that... Sadao was behind 
or whoever the headman is. I don't know if that's referring to Sadao at this point or if there was somebody above him and he was just there. But they talk about, about a rebellion that he paid to get started. And um, uh, I think there's a couple other like assassinations that he funds that you find out as you're walking along. And this is the, one of the points where uh, I think when you get to the woodcutter's house, you actually turn to Masako and say, corpses can't answer questions. <laughs> In reference to how she just killed Sogan earlier and you cannot ask anything. So I think he's trying to get there, like, you know, don't run in there like a crazy bitch and start killing her. <laughs> we need somebody alive so that we can get some answers. Even though you get there and all you do is find um, Sadao's wife. And she's just freaking out because she's like, Masako's going to kill me. I'm like, no, no, she's going to take you back to the Adachi estate. You'll be fine. I honestly no. thought that she was going to kill herself in that moment just to keep everybody else in the family safe so i was shocked See, that they took i thought back. so too and what further alludes to that is you find a note in there yeah, that says yep, yep. it's from sadal he's like if anybody comes looking kill yourself yep yep like, specifically like you can't keep your mouth shut so you kill yourself <laughs> you save my life i'm worth more than you so there's a lot of you can tell he has fairly high thoughts of his wife so yeah, he seems like a caring pretty, husband. Yeah, yeah, he's very in touch with his spouse. So then you end up going. The next mission starts, and you meet Masako at her um, back at her the Adachi estate. And this is where um, the good cop bad cop scenario starts playing out, kind of. Like Masako's like, I try talking to her, she won't talk to her. Like she, maybe a young samurai can charm her. Like if all the things that I think of for Jin, I don't think he's been charming yet. You didn't go to enough hot springs by this point yeah. in the game. Clearly. <laughs> Are these the male hot springs or the solo? Because I mean you go to the solo know, hot spring, there's nobody there. Although at one of the hot springs you do get you can reflect on um like a lost lover or something like that. Yeah. I did that. I did do that one, but I think I wrote it down, but I don't remember what it says. And I don't think I have it listed because I think I asked if anybody wrote down what they reflected on. Uh, or at least asked you stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't fucking care. Not quite that specifically <laughs> was my answer. Very cut and dry. You're like, nope, this isn't something I care to discuss. All we care about is Jin's butt in color. <laughs> No, well, I remember, so there was one, uh, you reflected on creature comforts, like the things that you're missing uh, okay. now that the war is going on. And one of those things was like the touch of a woman or, you know, a night with a woman, something like that. Yeah. 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 And he's like, oh, man, it's been so long. Mm -hmm. And then it fades black for a long time. Yeah. And then his face is all messed up when he gets out of the hot spring. He's nowhere uh, near the hot spring. He's at Golden Temple. He's looking very relaxed when he walks out of the hot wait, spring. Wait, when did this turn into sleeping dog? <laughs> you getting your massages. <laughs> oh, my face is much better now. Uh, that happens in uh, Final Fantasy VII as well. That is true. The hand massage. We can all can't have uh, Adam's ride to hell scenarios break out. <laughs> Anyway, moving along. Um, I forgot where we were. Oh, yes. They take her um, back to the house and then they start the next. Yeah, the good cop, bad cop. And this yep. actually is one of my favorite parts because 
as you're walking out, um, she refuses to tell you anything, and then she starts crying, and basically she's like, I need a little bit to think, okay? So she's like, okay. So you go and talk to Masako, and you're walking to, like, her little haiku spot, I guess, because that's where those pads are. And you sit down, and she just starts uh, telling you that, you know, this this isn't my house anymore. Like, I don't know anybody that's alive. My family was just slaughtered. And then she starts going into the little hands holding toys of her grandchildren. And you just sit there and she's just staring like off in the distance. And she just starts to like, she's like, there should be music playing right now. Uh, my grandchildren would make music with me for every change of the se- seasons. Like, and you could just hear this heartbreak. Yeah, that interval really fucked me up because, yep. uh, Tom, you can probably attest to this too, uh, being a parent. But, like, kids are super noisy. You don't realize how loud they are until, like, you get a night away from them. And yeah, like, and then there's just deafening silence. Yeah, and it is that moment, like, really hit me hard because it's like th- there should be noise. And to go from having a an estate full of children running around to just silence, I, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, that would just be awful. Um, yeah, I think this is, like, a, a really cool, impactful moment with Jin sitting down and then he starts playing the flute for her. But uh, it wasn't very cool and impactful for me because there's a bug where... If you're when you're walking with Masako, if you sit down before she finishes talking and she finishes her conversation while you're sitting, you just can't pull the flute out and you just sit there on the cinematic camera and keep <laughs> trying to pull the flute out, but oh. he just sits there forever. Oh man, oh, that's no. awful. He's yeah, just so like, like, yeah, that's real sad. I'm just gonna fucking sit here. <laughs> I'm just gonna stand here. I'm not playing my flute for you. What are you talking about? So anyway, it was really cool for me, Tactical Dreamer, because at this point I had the five crickets to have my storm song on. So as I began playing my flute, the song that I had equipped was the storm song. So as I played, the storm started rolling in with the thunder. Oh dude, that's awesome. And it like this moment right here was just it was fantastic. I have a screenshot um of Jin and, Mas- and Masako just sitting there like on the on those pads like staring into the like distance and that was actually one of the ones that i was going to use for the um photo mode that happened today you should be glad you Um, chose the other one i should i heard i heard i hear that they liked it so that brings me joy um anyway not to dwell on that moment but uh did anybody else have that uh the the storm song on i don't think i had that by that point uh i I didn't really go around looking for crickets until after i beat act one and then i was just kind of like trying to fill up time by doing other stuff on the island okay anybody else no i only had the uh the starting song at that point okay yeah i've actually i've run around that first area a lot and i still haven't found five crickets i think i've just not been hearing them i only have it's surprising i think there's 10 total in that area yeah, they're only in the um, graveyards. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe but, you just got the cricket like, repellent item. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, crickets don't like people that sneak around in bushes and stab people in the throat. That's I disagree. I, I have found 10 crickets already, so they no. like me quite a bit. <laughs> Maybe you disguised yourself. Can I and stab them know. in the throat? Take that cricket. <laughs> that won't be very hard. You just step on them. But I like, I like how the singing crickets are in like little golden cages. 
or I assume they're golden. They're black and white for me, so I guess I don't really know what color it is. Anyway, burgundy, after this they're very colored, they're burgundy color. Okay. <laughs> after this, like a heartbreaking flute playing scenario, she thanks you, and then immediately you are interrupted by the screaming of the wife, and she's like, "Quick, run back to the house!" Of course, she sprints off. Meanwhile. I'm waiting for my guy's animation to stand up and slowly turn around <laughs> so I can start running back, knowing full well that there's probably not a chance I'm making it back while she's alive. So after you run back to the house, you find her dead. Um, you're like, oh, well, there's got to be, you know, footprints or something. So you start following those. And once you get to, I think you get to the end and there is... You find the guy that assassinated because it's actually Hachi, the um, brother that killed her. But he's surrounded by bandits. So you kill the bandits and he's like, no, I'll never tell. And then he croaks. Like, literally, he just like and dies. Like, I didn't know they were actually attacking him. He was just kind of sitting there. Did, did Does he actually kill himself? Because I don't remember seeing that as an animation. No, I think he gets killed. Oh, so he's just like he was getting attacked by the bandits and just happens to die. Yeah. Because he's like, I'll never tell. Oh, I'm going to save my brother. And then he just kind of gurgles a little. And then he's dead. And then you find out that um, Masako purposely led um, Sadao's wife through town. And like so everybody would see. She was using her as bait, but she didn't tell you. And I know there's a moment here where you can say two different things. And I don't. I'm, I think I responded with, well, you should have let me in on the plan. And I think the other one was the harsher version, but I don't remember what that was because I didn't choose it. Do you, does anybody remember? Yeah, he basically, is, it's something along the lines of like, you killed that woman. Yeah, okay. that's what it is. And I, I chose that. That was the one part where I was like, wow, Masako, I, I don't agree with this. This is fucked up. Yeah, because at this point, she is just going like full crazy town. Like she's starting, you can, just from that point when you were sitting and playing the flute for her, this is her unraveling. Like, this is where it's really starting to happen. Like, it, 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 like, it was building up, but I think at this point, like, it just starts to unfold for her, and she's just, like, slowly losing sanity. Um, and then, so this next quest, I didn't even do uh, somehow, um, which is why when I was talking to you guys earlier, mine were all out of whack. So the next set is called The Traitor. Yep. I completely missed that one oh, um, in my Kurosawa playthrough because the next time I accidentally stumbled upon Lady Masako was on the beach. So this Traitor I did in my color playthrough to make sure I got everything down. So this is when you go to the lighthouse and you fight your way to the lighthouse um, to find Sadao, who is hiding up on top. And... Um, after you kill everybody, you make it up to the top. She runs up there right away. And she's like asking, you know, what it all happened and, you know, why it was the way it was. And so you're just finding out all these things. And she's talking to Jin just about loss, I think, at some point. And he's like, I wish I would have died on the beach. Like, I wish that when all of the samurai died, that I had died. Because even the satisfaction of uh, killing Sadao, I think, up on that 
it just didn't do it for her. She she asks you how to carry on from this point. Like, how do you do it? Yeah. And he responds to her that he remembers all the people that he has to still protect. And all of the people that died that he now has to avenge. Yeah, it's that very classic lesson of that it would have been easier if I just died. It would be easy right now to just die, but it's a lot harder to carry on and take care of my life. Yeah. So at this point, when you say that to her, it basically something trips in her and now she is on the hunt. Like she is ready to take out the remainder of this hit list that you basically have found. And it's time. And this is where she pledges um, to help you with uh, Lord Shimura. So, I mean, it's kind of weird, like looking back on it and it seems like we're just doing a bunch of loyalty missions. <laughs> just trying <laughs> right. to get everybody on yeah. our side. Which it is because if you, when you think about it, when you're starting off, it's just you. Like it's you and Yuna who uh, right off the bat tells you, well, I'm, I'm gone as soon as I get my brother. Like you're on your own, buddy. And she sold your sword. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's almost like, like you owe her, but so you're forced you into get it. it back because she knew that they'd kill the other guy, so she knew where it was. <laughs> but like, it's still like, yeah, you're basically you're trying to build this army, and I have a it's a nice thing that comes upon later that I'll talk about. Um, so yeah, I missed that mission or that quest completely the first time. I don't know how. I don't remember ever seeing like when I went to the very last one, I didn't have any more indicators. I think it depends on how you do the uh, like story missions, because I believe that one popped for me last. Like after I did the Iron Hook or whatever that mission is. Uh, And then it finally popped up on the map because I did three of them. And then I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's it. And I did a couple story missions and I saw hers like way up on the northern side of the map. Yeah, because I don't think I had anything for her, and I was just running along the coast at some point, and all of a sudden I came upon a mother's piece, which is where she's on the beach. Uh, I think she's fighting some bandits um, initially, but then you start walking the beach because she's trying to find her family. So you're at the uh, beach where the first attack took place. So you continue walking. You find a couple people from Clan Adachi, um, she tells you about them. And then you come upon the one part that is a cinematic that I could not get a screenshot for, and it made me so angry. But when you find her sons hung up on that tree, and she just collapses to the ground with her hands out, crying, screaming. Like, I tried so hard to capture that, and... There's that weird delay of hitting the share button during a cinematic on the PlayStation yep. <laughs> where you don't know exactly where it hit. And right when I hit it, apparently I didn't get it at the last second of that one. And I got freaking like Jin's stomach <laughs> with a sword. And I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I was so angry because that moment when she just falls there is just, you know, it hits a lot of a lot of different chords. Yeah, you. Just, I haven't messed too much with the photo mode, and I know you guys have done a lot more. Can you not activate photo mode during cutscenes? Nope, you can't. No. Nope. And certain like um, when you were in the sake cart for Kenji, you can't activate it. Um, can't do it when you're like going through like uh, small crevices, like uh, yeah. crawling underneath anything. 
Uh, so there's very yeah. specific moments that, yeah, it just doesn't let you do it. Like you could hit, you can take a screenshot, but you're screenshotting a cinematic. You can't control anything about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like when you start the, you... sorry, go ahead. Like when you start duels and stuff, you can't do it either. Like when it's doing the little, the standoff, oh. like the actual standoffs you can do, but when you're doing the duels against certain people and they're doing the, like the hundred yard stare and they're just looking at each other and then you pop the sword, like. You can screenshot it there, but you can't go into the photo mode at that point. Interesting. So, yeah, the only photo mode I have experience with is the ones in Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey, and that's literally you push the two sticks, and no matter where you are, it'll just freeze the game and pull the camera out for you to do whatever oh, you want. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, any of the good stuff, you can you can do it on. Um, oh, yeah. I don't yeah, want to talk... screenshot it, but... I don't want to talk shit about this photo mode. It's probably the most amazing <laughs> photo mode in any All game. Right, well, since you're going to, you know, we brought up photo mode. This is the most important comment that we have gotten for this game. Are you guys ready? Yes. Smithy says photo mode. Wait, I'm not good. ready. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Smithy says oh, wait, photo I'm not mode. Ready. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. This is the end. All right. All right. Go. Go. I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> It's a two-word comment from Smithy. Photo mode, good. Very good comment. I feel like that, that is high praise right there coming from the one of the photo mode snap hierarchy, right? Yeah. He's won at least one, two, maybe? I don't remember. But he always has very good pictures. So if he says the photo mode is good, then I think... We are okay. I basically never screw with photo mode, and I've taken at least a handful of photos in this game. I have 67 as of right now. Yeah, I don't know you how many I have. two more, man. What are you doing? <laughs> Noise. <laughs> but yeah, go, I barely, keep go ahead. I barely uh, touched it. Uh, as you guys know, I wanted to submit a photo for photo mode snap, and I was already at the stopping point. So I just took a picture of Jen's eyes. That's about as much as I've done. Oh, you did submit that one? I remember mm -hmm. you, you put it up the uh, last night, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's just the red eyes. Um, yeah, I mean, this photo mode is probably the most intuitive that I've used. Uh, I mean, I tried a couple in The Last of Us, and I just couldn't really get into it. I don't know if it was just the vibe of the game. The only other game that I can remember taking a lot of screenshots of is, like, maybe... <laughs> This is going to sound dumb as hell. Like Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. <laughs> oh, man. What do you take videos or what do you take pictures of? In I just love that art style, man. And like, there's just like, I don't know. It's cute. I love that game. Oh, I'm going to agree. That's a good game. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I just love that game. So right. I take screenshots like like when uh, the one boss battle where you're fighting the opera singer, taking screenshots of that. And the so this game is very much like Mario Rabbids. So, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. It's like, yeah, I, mean, it's man, I feel like I'm playing Rabbids. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a big part of the reason why I haven't played with the photo mode is because this game is absolutely stunning. But it has kind of that, like the villain from The Incredibles, when he says like, oh, when everybody's super, nobody is. It has kind of that effect of everything is so beautiful that it's like, oh, yeah, I can take a still of every single image in this game. So yeah, I, I could waste you definitely see that. Like if you wander into the screenshots section of the MinMax community, which I don't 
Rick really recommend unless you've beaten the game and don't really <laughs> care that thing little yeah, things are spoiled. Man, some of y'all are spoiling stuff in there. <laughs> there are armor, like there's all kinds of stuff that I wish I did not see. Um, but anyways, it's not a big deal. Nobody's well, angry. Panda might be a little angry. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> not to be curved. It's fine, okay. It. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. It's a good game. <laughs> but uh, oh man, now you, now I lost my train of thought. Uh, uh, we're talking about pictures, I think. Yeah. I, uh, oh, okay. So, Going back to like uh, what Tack was saying about it just being like such a beautiful game and talking about photo mode. Uh, the, you know, during photo mode snap today, I, I watched it live and there was somebody who submitted a photo. I apologize. I don't remember your name. And the question was like, was there a filter placed on it? Because this photo was just fucking gorgeous, man. And it was just straight up the game. It was, he did nothing to the, the photo at all. He just took a screenshot oh, and cool. it was gorgeous. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, in black and white, like here's one of the things about playing in Kurosawa mode. When I take a picture, I cannot do any of those color filters. That seems like such a it bummer. Is, it is literally just so all of those, all of my Kurosawa mode pictures that are that film grain black and white. All I can do is like change the focus and like the time of day and stuff, but I don't do that like a lot. But that's literally like in Kurosawa mode, you cannot add any of those colors. You can't do any of that stuff. That it's all just the black and white and then like the animations and the focus. So, I mean, sometimes it looks good. Sometimes they look a lot. It looks very muddy and it's hard to see what's going on with the Kurosawa mode pictures, but I enjoy taking pictures. It's fun. It's a good side quest for me. Anyway, <laughs> we are on to my favorite character and i don't care what happens after this the tale of ryuzo that starts with blood in the grass so this he's not actually in this first part um we start following a trail of dead mongols and um you come across ryuzu and immediately upon meeting him i get we're going back to star wars again guys han solo is written all over this guy from the time i meet i meet him in the fact that he wants to help, but only wants to help for a price to the fact there's actually a line where Jin tells him if he helps, he can name his price and get whatever he wants, which goes back to Luke and Han rescuing Leia. You know, you, she's a princess. You can name your price, you know, whatever you can think of. And he says, I could think of a lot. Um, so immediately upon meeting Ryuzu, I am very excited about this character. Um, no less than the fact that he has the awesomest straw hat um, that is straight out of Big Trouble in Little China, which I believe is the same hat that I wear almost all the time with my armor, just because that hat is fantastic. The giant straw hat. Yeah, I also have that one in real life for a second there. No, now that you say that, I may try and find a hat like that <laughs> just for the love of it. But anyway, so yeah, you you meet Riozo. Um, what are your opening feelings on him? Like we know what happens later, but God. immediate feelings on Riozo. My opening feelings were like, oh, an old friend who is a sellsword. I, I mean, 
if we can free the Lord, we can get him what he wants. He'll be of help. Uh, yeah, I, I thought would... he was cool. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you got it. No, I'm done. I thought he was cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, the whole thing with the straw hats was like, every time they brought it up, I was like, that's a One Piece reference. That's a One Piece reference. Because <laughs> I'm a huge. Okay, I have not watched One Piece. I'm a huge so. One Piece nerd, and that's like the main pirate crew is the Straw Hat Pirates, and okay. they have a uh, samurai on their uh, pirate crew, <laughs> and his name is Rora Noah Zoro. So it was like Ryuzo and Zoro. It was just like kept drawing these lines to One Piece, and the whole time it was just like I'm playing a fucking One Piece game. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. See, and all I think is big trouble in Little China. Well, so it, what, what makes it even crazier is right now in One Piece, in the current arc, they're doing like this Japanese, uh, like island theme. So like he is literally dressed up as like a wandering Ronin samurai, and like the whole <laughs> that's all I could think about. Man, they know what's up. Good show. Everybody should watch that show. Okay, I will put it on my list. I know Stubbs has a list. Yeah, I mean, technically, One Piece is on that list. I've seen the first. 50 or 60 episodes but there's like over oh you only got 870 some to go yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's fun what right. i've seen but. so back to the game what what's said that nobody said that <laughs> <laughs> moving on moving on so yeah if you tell him you can name his price um as you're moving along he's like well you, you ask him again like well what do you want and he's like free sake for life and a place to drink it with all of his men because he is all about like you know he just wants to take care of his guys since their leader died on the the mongol attack he's like these are my guys now i need to take care of them and he just starts this thing of like i'm failing them i'm failing them i'm failing them so as you get to the actual the tale of riozo the your hunt for food basically begins so you get the outfit for the straw hat Ronin. Um, you join up with him and I think you have to go and take the camp on the beach where all the food is at. Yep. Well, first and, you have to overtake like the lighthouse overlooking it. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah so you take that lighthouse over and you right? go down below. Yep. So yeah, as you're going there, you begin to talk about you get a little hint on the past between these two characters. Um, they start talking about uh, their duel during the Nagao tournament. And um, it, it doesn't get too involved in what is actually happening at that point. This is just like the early mention that there was a tournament in which they had to duel each other. And I believe at some point he says, like, you know, um, Ryuzo gathered like all of these commanders together to come and watch this duel and Jin came at him so hard yeah that he almost broke his arm yeah in the opening part yeah that's at the near the one of the later conversations they have about okay. the duel yeah it's okay so this in the beginning part then i guess they just probably mentioned that there was a tournament yeah basically there was a tournament yeah it's able this um basically fireworks i think is what they have at the top of this lighthouse so this is another one. This one is actually, if you are seen, you fail. But this one, I don't remember being that hard because I'm pretty sure there was tall grass leading all the way to 
the actual lighthouse and you only had to sneak around like one actual guy yeah it was pretty straightforward to getting oh yeah this one wasn't that bad you know you run up there bam pop the um, alarms and then you know you just kill everybody at the lighthouse and it's super easy like that part's not that bad um so then as you're going down um fighting across um i think as you're going down to the beach you know you gotta get is this the part where you go to the beach yeah yeah so then you rush down to the beach i don't know if anyone else had this problem but they were like oh just leave the mongols my men will take care of the mongols we want to get out on the boat or, or, uh, yes, we, we had to get to the rowboat, yep. and then they were shooting fire arrows in at the uh, Mongols, right? Yeah, yeah, but I so I had such a problem of actually breaking free of combat that I sat there and killed every single Mongol before taking the rowboat out. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. Okay. Oh, I actually um, died because I wanted to make it there without being seen because I thought that that was more of the priority. So I actually made it halfway down the beach until the point where you come across, I think, one of those big dudes with the the big mace, yeah. the big ball. And I couldn't get around him, so I actually ran into the water and submerged myself and swam around to the rowboat. <laughs> That's not very honorable. But, but we were just supposed to make it there. Just this swimming is one of those away. Points swimming away from combat. <laughs> wow. So actually, um, this is one of my favorite parts, but as a side mission, because I did this side mission before doing this one. And... I guess I'll allude to it later, but you actually go out on the boat similar to how you go out on this one. So as you're going, you take the rowboat out to the Mongol ships. Uh, there's like, what is it? It's like seven chained together with just like catwalks in between them. And you're basically just fighting your way from one to the other, uh, looking for food. Uh, and then when you finally find food, I think you get separated from Ryuza at some point. And... As you come back after killing a bunch, he you actually open this door and he's fighting this huge beastly man of a Mongol. And I think he's actually down, if I remember correctly. Like he's doesn't look like he's winning. But when you open the door, you like startle the big guy, I think. And then he kills him. But I remember Ryozo making the comment that. Did you see the size of that motherfucker? That's where all our food went. <laughs> because they couldn't find any of the food. Like, basically, it's like all the, and this is like one, there's not a lot of comedy, so to speak, at least that I found so far in this game. Like, it's very dramatic, right? So, right. this part, I was actually laughing pretty hard. Yeah. As Rioza said this. Yeah. And so only to turn and look. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. You said when you came out, you surprised the guy and then Ryuzo killed him? I don't know if that's... I can't remember correctly what happened. I don't have a note, okay. but I when remember I up, him being on the ground. Oh, yeah. When I went out there, Ryuzo was already knocked on his ass. And I, it was really funny when I got him back up and he was like, I could have taken care of that guy. Like, sure, oh. you totally weren't dying. Yeah, I think he, <laughs> he gets kind of pissed off at you because you come in and, like, kind of rescue him. Okay, yeah. so you're not showing him up. Okay. I'm just missing. Which comes into play later, obviously. So, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> you're full of it yeah wait this Nothing. is the last mission right thing. um no oh this uh we have the iron hook after this but i mean this one's pretty much going down anyway uh so yeah at the end so after you do that and you have your little talk with Ryuzu, you turn your head and there's just freaking an entire ship of mongols shooting flaming arrows at the boat so there you go 
no more food again. So now Riozo is feeling even worse because once again, he has let his men down and I'm sure some of, some of them ran away at this point. I think as you go into the mission, he's like two ran away um, when you're going to do the food mission. So I'm sure at this point he's feeling super down in the dumps and he's like, Jin's like, well, at least I got this freaking map of their convoys. So you trade that to Riozo in um, hopes that he is going to, he agrees to then come and help you with saving of Lord Shimura. So you part ways and he's going to go start raiding some of their convoys. And the next is the Iron Hook, which starts off. Um, Taka gives you the Iron Hook, which I believe is the Kaganawa is what he calls it. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, I think this is another time where Yuna starts calling you the ghost in front of all of the people. Yep. And giving like a little speech of um, like what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. And um, Jin replies that once you save Lord Shimura and once he is free, you don't need to put such faith in these like BS tales that like Yuna's throwing around. And I think you're in the forge at this point talking to her with Taka. And all of a sudden you hear Ryuzo uh, just shouting and calling for you. And I didn't respond to him right away because I, I think I was doing something else. But he like keeps shouting and getting louder the longer he's waiting. So I don't know if you guys ran out to him right away. But I remember I was doing something else. I was just sitting in the um, forge. And he's just out there, like, screaming, like, where are you, Jen? Ah! I, I no, went out I pretty fast. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I just like making him wait. So, you know, that's no big deal. <laughs> uh, so he tells you that uh, they tried to take over one of these um, convoys or whatever, and they went to Fort Yatate. I think that's how you say it. I don't remember. Um, and they were captured. And Jen's like, well, how do you know they're still alive? And he's like, well, because I could hear them singing. And Jin's like, well, that's weird that the Mongols were letting them sing. So right now you're like, well, what the hell is going on? But as you get closer and closer, this is okay. This is when they start talking about the tournament more in depth. And Ryuza says he had all the commanders coming to watch the duel um, and that he almost broke his arm. And Jin, uh, I think, apologizes to him saying, oh, I'm, it was my first tournament. Like I had like, you know, jitters, like butterflies. Like I was. You had you know, an option. Yeah. Um, so I didn't apologize. <laughs> oh, you didn't apologize? No. I apologized. I um I, I said, why didn't you come tell me? Yep, that's what I said. Oh. Yeah, I think about that one too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I apologize saying this was my first tournament. And um Ryuzo then goes into talking while well, he's like, This was my one chance to prove myself. This was my chance to like overcome my current status and become something more and possibly become a samurai and that Jin was born as a lord so this is going back almost to like Tomoe had where you know they were low and they were trying to rise up to be something else and something stopped their growth so to speak because then he's like well what happened to you like you could tell like in Ryozo's voice that he was upset in like how he was wording, how he lost and how he felt shamed, even though Jin's like, well, where did you go? I could have made you like, uh, I think he says, he, I could have made you a retainer or um, 
for Lord Shimura or something. And you can just tell that like Riel is like, well, I didn't want that. He's like, Straw Hats came looking. They needed a sword. I was a sword. So he like just completely abandoned anything at that point. Like he was defeated. Just the fact that he couldn't do what he wanted to do and being shown up by wealth and status, basically. Did you get that same like feeling? Oh, yeah. Uh, See, this this was kind of spoiled for me from a review that I read. So once he started talking like this, I was like, okay, I I know where this is going. Oh, <laughs> so uh, I mean, I I was shocked, but I was like I said, I was waiting for it the whole time of like who's going to be the one that does this certain thing, you know? Okay, I got you. Anybody else have any different opinions on him currently? No, I didn't. I mean, I didn't think he was going to be a traitor yet, and we'll get into it when we get into that mission, but I didn't think he was going to be a traitor until he what? pulled the fucking sword on me. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know what you're I, I wish yeah, I didn't it, know that was going to happen. But Yeah, that would have been crappy going into this knowing that. Yeah, as soon as that as soon as that was said, I was like, "Fuck." You know, it's like took the yeah. whole like that next magical scene that happens between them, and just yeah, because that is it. a big scene. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was fucking ruined. So point. shout out to Kotaku for ruining that shit. It was awesome. God damn. <laughs> All right, so yeah, but going along, you can just feel this like they're friends, but you can tell that he feels slighted in uh, pertaining to Jim. So as you're leading up to there, you're like, you're talking about how you're going to get into the fort and you're like, well, don't worry, Riozo, I'll just, I'll climb up the fort. And he's like, well, how the fuck are you going to do that? Are you half monkey? I also began laughing at this point because that was another giggle moment. comedy. Yep. And then you turn into Donkey Kong and the rest of the game is Donkey Kong <laughs> Oh, you turn into the monkey. Oh no, that's Chinese. You can't turn into the monkey king. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we're continuing on, but this little... Um, liberating his men mission with the first time you get to use the iron hook, I thought was super fun. Um, not only the traversal up to this point, but getting in there and freeing his men. And once you get those men freed and uh, signal Riozo and both of those gates open and you're just sandwiching the poor helpless Mongols. Yeah. I love that. Part. And it's just a bloodbath. And this is, again, it's, it's one of those bigger battles that I, I really enjoy. And you have competent friendlies, for the most part, helping you out. So it's not like you're going through taking everybody out like a one-man army. It's like you actually feel part of something rather than, okay, I got to do this to save all these idiots. Um, but I really enjoy these uh, these bigger battles as they unfold. Yeah, all the battles where you have people fighting with you were very cool very mm, i don't know what the i don't know what to compare it to i guess but they they were just bombastic cinematic i guess yes yeah especially the one like towards the end of this act it, I, I feel like they really culminated oh, yeah. everything that you've done up to that point and like had this big battle and it just like was the perfect uh you know icing for on the top of that cake yeah for the, yep. that act for sure so after you're done you find out that Riozo's men were singing because the Mongols fed them. They fed them. Not only did they feed them, but they fed them good food. So they were like super excited um, about all of this. Uh, that's why they were singing. 
And Jin just kind of looks at him. He's like, well, maybe it's because they thought they could turn them. And because we know what's coming, if you look back on that moment, you can kind of see it. Like there is a certain moment in Ryozo where there's just that flicker of like, I can save my men. I didn't even put that together until just now that those were related. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So thus, we have now arrived at the shadow of the samurai. The whole culmination of Act 1, breaking into Castle of Canada. Um, I believe it starts off with a cinematic of Khan talking to Lord Shimura. And he's like, we're not that different. We are both fighting for a legacy. Um, Jin is nothing like you, Lord Shimura. Like he is like, he's telling him like he he is starting to do stuff that you do not agree with. Um, And that no matter what Lord Shimura is going to die in this cell alone and starving. And he is going on to the ancestral castle. And that cuts the scene right there. And so you're like, okay, this whole time I'm wondering like, up until this point, I figured that Shimura was going to die at the end of Act 1. Yeah, like right in front of Jin, right? Yep, that was going to happen right there. And then he says that, and I'm like, okay, so he's probably not going to die because he's just going to leave him here. Like, he doesn't give a shit about him at all. Like, he's like, I don't care about you. I'm going on. I'm moving on to this place. You're going to stay here, and I don't really care. Um, So as you're doing that, you begin your... Uh, movement and you could talk to your companions before you go in um so i think ishikawa's there yuna's there and kenji's there and taka shows up too so um i think as you're walking my favorite is you talk to kenji like you're talking to everybody like why they're there what they're gonna do it's a plan and then you talk to kenji and he becomes very animated kind of and he's like well i came because i didn't want to drink alone that is his sole reason for showing up there is he wanted somebody to drink with. That is the best reason to go there, is it not? It's pretty drink good. Sake. <laughs> and Jin tells him to save it for uh, after the fight. Yep, it's a celebration, bitch. <laughs> so then everybody starts to know, like, Ishikawa isn't happy about the idea of how you're getting in there because it is going against the samurai. You're sneaking in like a thief. Um, it goes against the honor that they have built. Um. Uh, everybody's like, okay, are we going to go? Where the fuck are the Straw Hat Ronins? And Jin's like, oh, we're not waiting for them. We got to go. Like, they're not showing up. It is what it is. Let's go. So then I think there's a point. You're just going through points with each of the characters to get you through that certain area. Right? There's a, a little part with Ishikawa. Then there's a part with Yuna. Uh, a part with Masako. Yep. yep. And you're just making your way up there. As you're going further and further, here's the fucking bombshell as you crawl through there's Ryozo sitting and still hands down one of my he's if not the top one of the top characters that I like in this game so far I don't care how they turned him into it I have a feeling that there is some point down the line there is a redemption factor that is going to happen with this yeah I don't know what's going to happen but I mean I'm thinking there's going to be a point and we'll get to a, a why a little bit later. Yeah. Why it could happen or why it won't happen. But 
what, this when you walk into that fight though i like my first thought was oh ryuzo's already here he killed a bunch of guys for me what a cool dude yeah. and now we're gonna yeah. go fight the boss together let's go it's, it's that first line that he says that the khan offered a bounty for anyone to kill the ghost and as soon as you say that like he says that like you know yeah. Like, you're like, okay, he's going to kill me to save his men. He's going to try. Because that's what he feels is right. Well, you're right. He's going to try. Well, I mean, he doesn't fail theoretically yet. Um, so this duel is probably one of my favorites so far. Because as they're pleading um, with each other, Jin's like, don't do this. You can still turn. We can still save Lord Shimura. We can still do this. You don't have to. Like, everything will be fine. You can become a samurai. And Ryozo is just like, and then he's going to send us off to die. So he is at this point where he's like, I don't want to do this to fight for somebody else. I want to fight for myself. Is basically how I interpreted that. Oh, definitely. Let, let me ask you a question. Did you guys, like, model your fighting? Were you... Were you pacing yourself in this fight because i was just going at him i didn't care i it was another fight to me combat wise and i was just breaking him down and beating him up i was waiting for him to make mistakes as he came at me yeah I yeah i was kind of just bum rushing him because i like i said i already knew about the the turns so i was like pissed off about it i was like i just want to get this part <laughs> over with <laughs> yeah i went i went pretty ham on him okay for caution to the wind I felt sort of pitied, so I wait for him to make mistakes, and then I punish them for that. Um, but yeah, you can see this. there's this internal struggle with him this whole time as they're talking. And you can almost see, like, Jin's heart break. But, like, was the struggle the with point where it, Ryuzo, or was the struggle within Jin? Because it seemed like Ryuzo was pretty dead set on his choice. Jin was the one that was struggling with why he chose that. But I don't think Ryuzo wanted to do it in the... Like, the way he says... like. If you look one his eyes when he's talking about the bounty, it didn't like he didn't seem like it was hatred. Like this is I hate you, Jin. It's like I'm doing this to save. Like he was set on doing it to save his men. I don't think he was set on doing it to kill his friend. Yeah. Um, but at but, the same, but at the same know, time, with like with what he was saying earlier in the missions with him, where he's like. You know, you came at me so hard. I had all these people set up. And then, like, he basically is just like, you embarrassed the shit out of me in front of all these people. And now I'm not That's a samurai. So, to me, it was like Ryuzo was just trying to get his revenge. And, like, this was, like, his way of, like, even though they were friends a long time ago, at that point from when Jin kind of screwed him over and took away the honorable way that he wanted to become a samurai and kind of stole that from him, stole that moment, he, he didn't give a shit anymore. So do you think he's angry now as well because Jin is no longer following that honor code either? I, I, see, I, I hope they kind of go into that. I wouldn't say that he's angry. I think he's just like, at this point with the Mongol invasion and stuff, he's probably doing what everyone else is doing and just trying to make it through however he can. Like He's always just talking about all I care about is my men and fighting for myself. So I'm sure he's looking okay. at Jin like you do you. Yeah, I think it's well, just self-preservation at its finest. Okay. I have hopes for Riozo that he will deter from his ways, but 
I have none. Only time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to stabbing him right in the gut. (laughs) I did multiple times. Well, all you did, basically, all you did was spar a little bit. He didn't actually do anything to you currently. You know what's wild is, like, at the end of that fight... He he was so bloody at the end of that fight. Oh yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah just because the blood that flies off, like even like, after you're done he getting away from guy? this, like he would be bleeding out for sure. Like I'm gonna find him down the hallway, just slumped over. Nah, he's got that straw hat. I guess so. He took some of the straw out of his hat and patched himself up. <laughs> he's now a scarecrow, which is funny because Jin actually refers to him as a scarecrow at one point earlier. Um, but also the score as you begin this duel. The music that kicks in is once again just phenomenal. Yeah, that whole set piece like, moment whole was so duel, great. I wish I had the video. I had a video of that whole thing. I just I didn't think about it at the time. Um. So after you get away, oh, you got something? A good thing you can play the game again. That's true. <laughs> I'm almost, uh, but I won't because now I'll go playing ahead in the Kurosawa mode, and then I'll have to catch back up in color maybe to see what's going on, but. Um, so climbing up this, um, the castle at the end here, um, gave me strong, um, game of death. I think Bruce Lee doesn't, isn't that the one where he climbs up and he has to fight, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and he's going up the different layers and he has to attack all the different guys. Um, I got very heavy vibes from that as he kept going up level and level. Also the, um, what is the assassination call that you learned there? Uh, the one through is, the uh, doorway or whatever? The, yeah, the Shoji assassination. So this is another time that I had to do it because it makes you do it. But even though I didn't like, don't want to do that, it is going to be hard not to do that to people. Yeah, I have done it so many times so since I learned fun. it. <laughs> like I do it every time I can. It's so satisfying. And I was watching, I think somebody posted this a while back, it was um, the Japanese swordsmiths or whatever reacting to the sword play, and they actually see that scene, and they're like, "Well, there's no way that you can pull them back through the door that way mm-hmm. because the sword would just come straight out." Right. I just remember that happening, but I mean, like you'd have to turn it or like pull it like towards you instead of pulling the sword out. But well, you got to break the magic like that. Come on. I, I still enjoy it. I don't care. Come I'm not on. looking at it as a factual. Now I'm going to look at him. I enjoy it. It makes sense video. at all. <laughs> there was one. Oh, Shoji, there was one Shoji assassination that I accidentally pushed R2 instead of square and just walked through the door. And it's, it's very <laughs> awkward. You just like, <laughs> oh, the guy there. And he's like, Oh, hi there. Oh, hi. Let's fight now. See, what I like to do is I don't know if you guys got the charge kick for the uh wind stance or whatever. Oh, yeah, the typhoon, <laughs> just, the typhoon kick. Yeah, people will just be standing through the like on the other side of those doors, and I will just kick the shit out of them from the other side of the door, and it is awesome. <laughs> I have not done that. I've kicked a couple off the hill, off the cliff. I think you were there for that my first time. Oh, yeah, it was. That was awesome. You get a trophy for that, too. Yep. Yeah. But funny story about that trophy. I actually got it. There was a guy that just had a sliver of health, and I accidentally kicked him, and he went up just high enough to take a sliver of fall damage, and I got that trophy. I was like, I didn't kick anybody <laughs> oh, off of anything. Oh, but... that's no fun. The, my, uh, my goal before the end of the game is to kick a bear off a cliff. Ooh. <laughs> Damn. Can you even do that, though? Because you can't kick the big guys. You think they would be along the same uh, okay. flight mechanics as the big guys. Uh, you can kick them, but they don't fly. Kick a warthog off the cliff. Or uh, whatever the boar, whatever the hell it is, that little pig thing. Uh, you could try. If they don't run you over, because I, I gotta kick some shit off a cliff, man. Besides the person, 
<laughs> All right, so you get up to the top and you rescue you Lord Shimura. And this is when I like to call, this is when the band is all back together again. And you have that super fun fight. And you have basically all of the aces in the deck fighting in that courtyard. Yeah, it's like the Avengers moment of Act 1. Yes. yes. Yeah. So if you were basically Thor screaming, bring me Thanos with Stormbreaker. Yep. As you came in. Is <laughs> what is happening at this point. Um, and if you don't know that, then go watch a Marvel movie. I don't Uncultured know. swine. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Stubb, did you say you didn't know that? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of the Marvel movies, actually. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Captain Stubb well, no longer like... be on the ghost dive. You can find him <laughs> on his own podcast, Ask a Locksmith. <laughs> Ask a Locksmith who doesn't watch Marvel cinematic movies. Um, but yes, moving along, that fight scene with everybody back together just feels fantastic. Despite of everything that happening, Getting that done um, is just fun. Yeah, it was, it, like I said earlier, it's a great way to end the act. It's just this culmination of like all these relationships that you've slowly built up through the course of act one. And then they culminate in this like one final like, okay, now we get to see what everybody's capable of. Yes. And it like again, it doesn't feel like you have to save these people. It's a good fight where everybody is doing something. Like there might be some moments where they go, oh, "I got to run over and kill this guy because he didn't finish him off yet." But it doesn't feel like they're actually taking guys down. Yeah, I, th I think it's one of the things that none of us have really brought up yet. But I, I assume you guys would agree that Sucker Punch has done a really good job with their companion AI. Uh, yes, I've been really impressed by how they're able to handle themselves on their own and it doesn't ever do one of those things where they're like oh i need your help and like you have to do that bullshit where you're constantly being the hero like at times i've had it to where like they'll finish the fight they'll finish like the last people yep. oh yeah you know not only that yeah, but totally the uh, walking speed is yes the fact that they'll match you is just oh yeah, yeah. And somehow yeah, still stay ahead of you, like just enough that they're leading you, but and you're both going full speed is a yeah. nice. I like that pace. Yeah, they were talking about on the MinMax show pretty recently, like that's never a good idea to have you control the walking while you're talking with somebody, but they do it perfectly here where no matter what speed you're walking, they're always walking just a tiny bit ahead of you. And yeah, also, and you don't finish you don't finish the conversation because you were going full speed, typically. Um, except for the one scenario that you explained where you sat down before Misako <laughs> and fucked your entire game up and now you're sad and that's why you hide in the shadows and stab people. Yeah, exactly. I was a good guy. <laughs> up until then. I was honorable. All right. So this cinematic that comes as Koten Khan goes to the ancestral castle and he's like, I really like your home. Why won't you invite me in? And there's those people that are just stuck, like tied to those stakes. Um, and he tells Riozo that he has to earn the food for his people. The look and the feeling that you get out of him as he's trying to muster whatever he has in him to do this act, like pleading with the people and actually starting to cry because this isn't something that he wants to do. This is why I think there is either a redemption act that is going to come from him or this completely kills him inside. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah he's think... just become a monster. You got it. Go. Oh, I, th- I think he wa- he'll, he's going to want to redeem himself, but I feel like in the world of samurai, and again, I don't know a lot about samurai, but that seems pretty irredeemable that he just killed a civilian. But he's not a samurai. But it, the thing is, but know, like but... that was his whole thing. Is like he wanted to be a samurai, but he didn't just like kill a civilian. Like he lit them he on fire. Them. Like the one of the most horrible ways that a person could die, and he was going to do it to another person. Like he was going to burn that second person. And that, that's the point to me, like we were talking about earlier is I think Ryuzo is a piece of shit and I can't wait to put a sword in his gut. <laughs> I, he sucked. You didn't, you didn't like Roche either. Did you, uh, from final fantasy seven? Yes. No, Roche was cool, man. Oh, okay. He has I a cool bike. He does cool shit on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really feel like, you know, there is a lot more to him. And I, you know, he, I don't think, that the uh, honor code, I think he was already thinking he's robbed of this samurai honor from Jin. So I'm thinking what's going to happen is it's going to be a redemption moment and it's going to be him dying and he's going to be dying for Jin to save him or he's going to be dying protecting a bunch of people. Um, again, I'm going to go back to Seven Samurai and Toshiro Mifune's character in that who the entire time was dogged. Um, for not being a samurai, not being able to read, and everybody doubting him. And at the very end, he saves like a bunch of kids and dies doing it. I have a very strong feeling that this is the way that it's going to go for Ryozo. I guess I can see that. I just don't see him getting like forgiveness. I guess that's the way I was thinking of redemption is like, yeah, he joins up with Jin and they're fighting together because he forgives no. him. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a thing. It's not going to be a let's fight side by side. I think it's going to be he's going to have at least one final act where he tries to undo what he's done. To be honest, I kind of hope that he just ends up being the main bad in the end and he ends up killing the con. I mean, like I'm saying that that is very close to what could happen. Like this burning of these civilians could just kill anything inside of him. God, he sucks, and dude. he is just a monster. <laughs> By the way, when he when they open the gate and he drops down on his knees and drops the torch, I totally thought that torch was going to burn the second civilian anyway. Yeah, just set the other guy on fire. Oh, <laughs> uh, that'd have been awesome. I mean, it'd been fucked up, but it'd been awesome. All right, so we have made it to the end of the story quest, which actually pushed it a lot longer than I thought we would. Yeah, yeah uh, everybody. I have a KQB match in a half hour. We'll, we'll 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 get it going here. Um, so <laughs> now we're on a side quest. Anything that anybody wants to talk about side quests before we just briefly go through those um, mythic quests? Uh, uh, yeah, is there I, any other side quests that really stuck out to you? I have so, one thing. Okay. Uh, from Kenji's side quest. Okay, the hide in the sake barrel. No, the the. Do you do that again the second time? Yes. Well, you hide in. Yeah, you hide in. Yeah, barrel. you hide in an actual barrel. Yeah, um, but that's that's not the, the the part that I have a note about. At the very end, after you you come to the realization that like this was Kenji's fault in the first place, that he uh, had sold the Mongols bad. Uh, he sold them sawdust bark. instead of rice. Yeah, sawdust yeah. and bark. I think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so they you know came back with a vengeance on the town. One of the townsfolk, when like Kenji's like, "Can I come back?" One of the townsfolk tells him, and I quote. Set yourself on fire and mate with a Mongol bomb. I died laughing. 
Oh, that's not even that's even before that. They call Kenji a sake swilling piece of monkey dung. I had written down. <laughs> yeah. Which I was laughing at as well. <laughs> yeah. And he's, Kenji's like his response is I need to be I need practice at being good. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, uh, there's another part where he's sticking him in the barrel too. Like he's like, Yeah, a well armored perfectly capable samurai could fit in this barrel and Jin comes back with like well could a scraggly armed I don't remember what he said but just you know a skinny little shit fit yep. in this barrel too yep yes I, I enjoyed that side mission as well stuff yeah there's a there's one side mission whisper in the woods uh, oh I love that mission that is I have a big yeah. note about that one. I, I think it's a really good mission. You can actually talk about it more. I just think it's funny that when you find the camp of bandits and you're like sitting there in the bushes, they do that classic video game thing of sitting there and explaining like monologuing about the bad yep. stuff they're doing. Yeah. So was- I, I did this. So I'm in Kurosawa mode. So I don't know how creepy it looks with color, but in black and white, that forest, it's so creepy. And like, it was really like one of the only like tenseful moments in this game, just going through this forest, trying to figure out, like, I knew it wasn't going to be spirits, but the, just this forest, the way it looked, was a lot of fun to just crawl through, and there's bodies hanging, and the moonlight's just peering through these trees, and all that I see is black and white. Yeah, and it, had, it had a lot of good creep to it, for sure. The atmosphere was yeah. just... Ugh. Yeah, actually, I think I got the, lost in oh, that section at, oh, really? at least two or three different times. I got turned around because Same. I wasn't 100% clear on what the objective was. So I mean, and that I think that's atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The atmosphere that they created. I mean, it did a good job of like putting you like at a loss of what your real goal was. Yeah, the overall tone I think of this quest so far stands alone. I don't think there's any been anything else that would yeah. like this. Uh, for yeah. me, as far as like side quests, uh, a place to call home uh, was like the one that hit me the hardest emotionally because uh it, it has to do with a kid dying again was <laughs> oh, this the one where the husband runs away yeah so yep. the husband okay. runs away from his wife and kid and they get killed by mongols and you're investigating it and you find out that the mongols like killed them and dragged them through the dirt and threw them in the river and you find like yeah. a little kid's toy just sitting there by the dock or whatever and then you yeah it's on back. a rock and it's all bloodied yeah, yeah and you have to go back and tell the dad and he just like breaks down he's like i'm such a fucking coward the whole time i'm like yeah you are a fucking coward you i thought that. i literally thought he was going to kill himself on that dock when he just falls to the ground I, so. I remember as soon as i finished it i i texted tom i was like dude have you done any missions where a kid died <laughs> yeah i was talking about the kids died, and i was like i and then i kept playing and i'm like i'm thinking about it. i'm like i haven't seen i don't remember seeing a lot of dead kids and i did that mission after that yeah it, i was like okay this has to be what he's talking yeah, about yeah it really fucked me up <laughs> so one that actually started out for me because i've done it twice now i did it in kurosawa and in the color mode and you can do it two different ways it's um empty baskets so you come across a, a woman who has no food and she explains to you that bandits have stolen all her food and she hasn't seen rice in so long and they left her nothing Oh, this she is doesn't want mission. you. You're right. This is yeah. Good. She doesn't want you to harm the bandits in any way. Um, so the first time in Kurosawa mode, when I got there, I'm going back to Star Wars again to um, Attack of the Clones. Second one, they're animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I went in there and killed all of them for stealing this woman's rice to bring it back to her, and then she tells me, "Oh." 
I just didn't have any rice. I just wanted you to get me rice. And he's like, you, you lied to me. I would have helped you either way. She's like, I told you not to hurt them. I'm like, what do you think was going to happen? Yeah. So it turns out, I don't know if you, any of you did it this way. You can actually just sneak in, grab the rice, and get the fuck out of there. Oh, yeah, no. that's what I did. I killed them. Okay. <laughs> so I did that the second time without killing any of them. And as I'm bringing it back, I'm like, I heard conversations of these people. And they're like, they're talking about this lady. And they're like, I wouldn't go and kill that lady to get rice. And he's like, we'll see what you say when the rice is gone. The fucking rice is gone now, buddy. Are they going to go kill her for that rice? <laughs> like, I don't know if that's going to be like a revisitation thing. Oh, shit. And like, if you go back there, she's just dead. Because I haven't gone back there yet. Interesting. Um, but that was that was the first mission I saw that was like, you can do it two different ways and it changes a little bit. So now I'm starting to wonder what other ones did I have a choice in that and maybe I just took the obvious choice instead of something else. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I didn't come across anything else like that. Yeah. So another one I liked was um, Lost at Sea. It's out on Koji Isle. And this is the one I did prior to doing the Raiding the Mongol Camp. So I'm like, this is really cool because um, Otosoke is on a beach just like swinging his sword and he wants you to help him get his daughter back. And she's like out on one of the Mongol ships and you're like, well, you're not going alone. Like whatever you're practicing now, that's not happening. Like I'm going with you. Let's go do this. So me being the one who doesn't do any of the stealth attacks, basically when I get on these two ships to save her, I have to make a beeline to her and basically fight on the flag as both of these boats are coming at me. And that tiny room in that second boat was a bloodbath. And no Mongols won that day. <laughs> but I really liked it in the fact that you left the island. And then I didn't know that you would actually do that again later, that it was a mechanic. So at that point, I thought that was really cool. And I made a note of that just because I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was a cool combat and a fun little side mission. Yeah, I've been kind of annoyed by the, like, you have to defend a person missions. They're never that bad. Just like the, the follow missions are never that bad, but it's just this little extra thing that's kind of annoying. That's like, I, I just wish this wasn't here and I could just kill these guys and that's it. Sure. Um, random notes I have is um, I absolutely love the um, XP gauge that pops up in the middle or descriptions of stuff and then how it just turns into flowers and flows away. Oh yeah, that is good. It then just it doesn't just like fade on, fade off. You know, there's actually a little thing that happens. Um, I made note that how much Captain Stubbs really loves the running the fingers through the grass. I really like how <laughs> I showed him that you can walk through the grass and do the very gladiator movie piece, where when Russell Crowe is walking through it as he's dying, he's running his fingers through the grains. Not gonna lie, I've probably done that for about an hour now. Um, yeah. That's super fun. I've got notes on the map not being the touchpad button, which I really like, and I really like what they've done with the touchpad alternatively. Yes. Um, it's it's interesting that nearing the end of the PlayStation 4's life cycle, we get some more functionality, uh, and good functionality too, not just like... Swipe up and hope something happens. Yeah. Um, like good functionality for that, that feature on the controller. Which is uh, something that, again, Sucker Punch is 
pretty well known for at this point because with Second Son, I don't know if you guys have played that, but it had a mechanic in it where you could spray paint tags. Oh, that's right. You, you turn the controller sideways and shake it up and you hold the yes. uh, yeah, it's a spray paint the can, trigger yeah. like a spray paint can and spray it. So it's when like, you shake it too, the the sound of the yep. ball bearing the rattle can. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it rattles right. from the speaker in the controller. So, I mean, they've always done some innovative stuff as far as it comes with, like, the touchpad and the different yes. things that the PS4 controller can do. So mm-hmm. I was excited that they were doing something different, but, I mean, I miss the touchpad not being the map buttons, too, because it's, like, it is very it's, natural. Mus- it's muscle memory at this point. So yeah. hitting yeah. options is, like, shit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it also comes down to, back to... Um, they're just really good at cramming so many controls onto this controller without ever having to go into a pause menu. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, another have, thing I noted. Oh, go ahead. I've got a note. Just how is my horse alive? <laughs> I know <laughs> why they do not die. Like when you jump <laughs> off cliffs and like there's a fall and you're like, okay, they're back up before I am. Yeah. It's not right. Weird. <laughs> That's true. Like, what would you do then? Just ride an undead horse screwed. and it would still be red dead. Oh, and, um, yeah. Fast travel. Oh, it's that so fast. Actually, yeah, the fast. load times are like it's nothing, super yeah. fast. Yeah, the load times are ridiculously fast in this game, and I like that every single thing that you do on the map becomes a fast travel point. Like they're yep. not trying to. Yes. Okay. Well, this little camp and then this little camp, but they're like several miles from each other. No, everything you do on the map, you can travel to. Yeah. Yep. Anything you locate that you've done something at, you can go there. And even some when they're undone, I've been able to travel back to like the Tory gate things where like, oh, I didn't have the grappling hook oh, yet yeah. to go do it. Yep. I could fast travel yep. back to it once I got it. Um, also, another thing I noted is I was bowing to Fallen Samurais and Jin would say random things. Uh, one of the notable ones he said is he goes, rest well, brother. Um, so like any of the Fallen Samurai that are just laying there, if you bow to him, he will randomly hmm. say things. I also found another cool photo op on the shore. You could get like um, crashing waves. The problem is, is once you got close to the rock, it stopped doing it. So it appears to only do it in the distance. And that pissed me off because I'm like, no, I can't <laughs> take a picture. What the hell? Yeah, I, um, I tried to get a picture of the crashing waves and it, it didn't look super great. So I was like, nah. Well, it was more like a background thing. I wanted to be on the rock with the wave behind me. Oh, I should say, yeah. That close, but. All right, so let's hop on to uh, Mythical Quest. Are oh, you guys something else? Real quick. quick. Yeah, real quick. I have one more little thing that I loved. Uh, we've talked this whole time about how much of a monster I am, obviously. <laughs> you guys don't even know. My favorite thing to do is just destroy people's fucking doors because it is such a oh, cool bro, animation. Oh, I'm right there with I you, man. never open the door. <laughs> yep. I kick <laughs> our monster. Oh. It, it's They're great. never going to fix those. Yeah, I know. And it's really funny when Jin walks in and he's like, oh, it's so sad. What's happened to these people? And then he destroys their fucking doors and steals their supplies and runs away. Well, the thing yeah. with that, too, is like I'll walk in a house and there'll be like one door that's open and like the other one isn't. I'm like, well, I, m- I might as well make it match, right? So I can bust that <laughs> shit down, too. All right. Um, Stubbs, you got anything else in case we go longer that you can't you um, talk about? No, nothing. Got a dip. Nothing okay. super important. But uh, yeah, um, I got to go and like Five or ten at the okay. at the latest. That's fine. Um, let's hit the curse of. I'm not say the bow guy's name. Tadayori. 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 No, oh, no, the actual that's the bow. Armor. Um, <laughs> uch, oh, the curse of Uchisune. Uchisune. Uch, that's uch, the one. Right. You got it. Yeah. So uch, 
this one I didn't find as exciting as some of the other missions, but um, the end duel I liked a lot. Um, again, this is find the fucking colored flowers. Yeah. That you can't see anything besides gray and white. So for me, it's like, I'm just going to run around for a while and hopefully I find it. Yeah. I loved this one. The The end duel there was the first time I did one of those, the, those cinematic boss, mini boss duels. Okay. Um, so that was the first time where I had an experience of like, okay, he kicked my butt. Okay, I got 20 yeah. more health off of him. Okay, I got him to half health. Okay, I got him three quarters down. It like, <laughs> Yeah, so this is one of the last ones I think that I did. Um, the only thing that angered me so much is you do not get the Tengu mask. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. That must be later. They have to give that to you, right? I don't. I have no idea. Um, but I really enjoyed that... Um, when you're running around, you get the paintings for these or like the little maps and you actually have to kind of use them. It doesn't tell you. And I like that mechanic over go find the fucking colored flower that you can't see because you're not playing in a color mode. It makes it a lot easier. Well, um, if you're playing in color mode and you have the map, it makes it extra easy. Oh, well, then let's see. I like it hard mode, I guess. <laughs> but I, I enjoy that. It's like as you're going along, when you make it into his tomb, uh, how the tomb looks. Um all of these legend are these mythic ones, just the colors of the flowers that I would assume that are there <laughs> um, on these islands, because the islands just with the flowers look amazing. So I can only imagine that with the color that they look really cool. Um, the only one I got going for me is Shiganori's Heavenly Strike, because that was white leafed trees. Unfortunately, you do have to find color flowers in the beginning of that one. But this one is by far my favorite mythic quest. Um, also, that is the source of my photo mode snap picture is from this duel. The Heavenly the Strike. End. Yeah. The that Heavenly Strike duel. My favorite mythic. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, so, especially the reward at the end. The Heavenly Strike is so much fun to use. And I'm so dumb because I didn't realize that it used like bits of your um, stamina. Your resolve. Your resolve. Yeah, yeah, your resolve. Thank you. And so. <laughs> I kept trying to use it one time in battle, and I was like, "Why the fuck is this not working?" I kept getting my ass kicked over and over and oh, over. You didn't have any because yep. I didn't have any resolve the whole time. I was like, "God, I'm so stupid." <laughs> See, I feel that it is severely underpowered. Like that should be almost a one hit kill with that thing, and it's not. The one cool thing that it does do is chop a guy's arm off. Yeah, I mean that's how I use it. Is like I'll hit somebody a couple times, and then I hit him with the heavenly strike to finish him yeah. off. I usually use it after after a perfect parry, so I'll, I'll bounce him off, and then I'll do that because it gives me that time to charge it and slash. Um, but yeah, this yeah. is one of my favorite. When you get to that end, and there's just all those swords, and that lightning is just going straight ape shit, yeah, just striking like everything. It's and it's great. cool because the story tells you that um, as Yamato is sing- singing you the tale of it. It's those lightning strikes were bringing down um, beasts that he was slaying, that Shigenori was slaying with this heavenly strike. And that's how he could stop them. So I really enjoyed that part. Yeah, it it's a super cool scene. Um, I actually haven't used heavenly strike outside of that battle because I played, that was like at the end of the night I finished that mission. I was like, oh, that was super cool. Put it down, came back in the morning, forgot I got that skill until I finished the act. And I was like, oh, I never used that, huh? Whoops. Yeah. So then next we got the um, the Legend of Tadayori's armor. So this is the first one that doesn't have a duel at the end because you fight his... Uh, is it uh, daughter? Or granddaughter, maybe? Yeah. yeah. And 
she's just like defending the location of where his armor might be. But I really like the fact that I did this one before I had any upgrades, and she kicked my ass. Yep, same. This was one of the first missions. She puts her sword away and comes at you. Like that attack is so quick and devastating. All right, guys. That I'm just like, oh my god. I have got to go. This is awful. Unfortunately. All right. Bye. I'm so sorry. Thanks for joining us, Captain Stubbs. I uh, I'm sending you my haikus to read at the end, at least. Okay. Yep. I'll definitely go through those. All right. Bye. Bye, Stubbs. But um, yeah. So one of the other things that now that Captain Stubbs is gone, I'll make fun of him. Um, oh, thank God. We can make fun of him oh now. My, I'm ready. Make sure, hopefully so he didn't exit out of the, the screen. End, how did you guys fight the end battle for the Legend of Tadayori? I, did you use the bow with the armor on? Uh, or did you just kill with the sword? No, I just ran at them with swords. I think I used the bow, then I ran out of arrows. Or no, okay, so I couldn't. I couldn't keep them back fast enough to keep them right. from coming at me. So I, I, th- I think I did most of them. But you the did bow. use the bow. Like, oh yeah, I bit. used the hell out of the bow. Okay, so I was watching Captain Stubbs as he streamed this particular part, and I was screaming at my TV because he was running around, and I'm like, "There is a rack right behind you that has unlimited arrows." Like literally, you just turn around. Like I'm, this is a bow specific. Quest, yeah, like they want you to use the bow. Oh, yeah. You don't have to use the bow. I understand that, but they want you to, and it's fine if you don't. But I was just laughing so hard, and I'm like, it's not that I think you did it wrong. I think it's cool because this just shows you the different ways that you can play this game. See, like I tried to use the bow as much as I could, but then I would get swarmed by people because right. I would miss or some bullshit would happen. And then somebody yeah. would get close, and that's when I would pull the sword out and do like a quick parry and then go back to the bow. Right. So what I'm doing now on my color mode, so when I recently did this one, I can knock arrows and shoot them so quick, it is ridiculous. So I actually think this last time I did it, not the first time, because the first time I definitely had to use my sword. Um, but when I redid it again, I think I killed every guy with the bow because I could knock them so fast and just boink, boink, and they were dropping like flies. But I I enjoyed all of these legendary ones. They were they were a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see cool what they stuff. do in the next act with them. Right. Um, and also another thing I noticed is you know the supplies you get at the Golden Temple. Yes. I think it varies depending on how you play because with my new playthrough that I'm going Ghost, I got the Thief's Mask, and I did not get that playing Straight Samurai. Danny Phantom. Get? Danny Phantom. I'm sorry, you said going ghost. Oh man, that's a very important joke to make. <laughs> that's a deep cut Nickelodeon joke right there. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, so but um, if you didn't get the uh, thief's mask, what did you get? Um, I have other samurai masks. Oh, weird! Um, I only have the thief's so, mask. like the glowing warrior. I think I have. I don't have um, that. And I have another one with like a mustache on it. I have Not that one. The DLC one. There's a different one I have, not the DLC one. Um, but yeah, I've gotten a bunch of different stuff from those rewards too by going more ghost than the other version. <laughs> yeah, I have the mustache <laughs> one and the thieves mask as well. Yeah, I have not okay. taken the mustache one off because I think it's so awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so that was another thing I noticed that can just be different um, with other playthroughs. Let's uh, 
let's take a look at some of our community emails here that we didn't get to. Um, Jay wants to know what are two of your top nitpicks, like just quality of life things that you wish you could change about the game. Tack, you got it. You hit it up first. Oh my god, the pressure's on. If you have um, to, I mean. I don't know. I don't know that I have little nitpicks. I mean, I, I guess my only complaint is that it it does feel like a lot of other games I play, but that's not a nitpick, and that's certainly not something they could fix easily. No. And uh, well, and it doesn't have to be something a bad thing. Either. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing either. It's it's just they're, they're doing what they're doing very well. It's just something we have seen before, just not in the setting or with this exact gameplay. Uh, I don't know that there's there's any nitpicks I really have. I I love the gameplay. Uh, I would say the biggest nitpick I have is the map thing with the map not being on the touchpad. Um, and I have noticed times where I'm like in the environment and trying to move around where I just feel like it's not as, uh, I don't know. Like I, I don't have as much freedom, especially like climbing up mountains and stuff as I, I would like. If it was like totally like free roam breath of the wild style, with like climbing and stuff like that, I feel like it would just be the best game. But having like these little pigeonhole things, it like really throws off the momentum for me, especially when I'm trying to get down a mountain where it's like, okay, am I going to be able to make this jump and do a ninja roll and survive? Or do I have to go and like look for the bullshit handholds to climb down? Sure. Yeah. And it just yeah, feels like I, it really slows my pace down. Yeah. I guess I am on the same page as you on that. So I'm just going to steal your nitpick. That's my nitpick is that you don't have a hang glider. <laughs> Like in, uh, yeah, Breath of the Wild. Of the wild. <laughs> Do you have one panda? You can try now. Your turn. <laughs> that was me. See, he is a thief. Yeah. Boom. Exactly. Um, I think mine, I think I already brought up um, that R2 trying to switch stance and picking up items just really kind of irks me at times. It's not a thing that happens a lot and it's just random. But again, that's just a lot loaded into the controller and I don't have a problem with it all the time. It's just randomly and I'll do it and I won't switch stances and I'll get hit because I thought I was doing something that I'm not, um, not a big deal. Um, I know a lot of people have problems with the camera or the soft lock, not being there. I don't mind it because the way I play is very fluid anyway. I think like the way I position myself, I make sure I'm not obscured. So, uh, and then I said I said it earlier as well, but like having all of the items and stuff on the, um, oh my god, the trigger buttons, yeah, especially during like hectic combat, it becomes overwhelming at times where it's like trying to figure out how to switch to you know smoke bombs or whatever or your chimes so you can distract an enemy. It's like I've had it so many times where I've thrown the wrong thing and engaged combat because. I was trying to throw a smoke bomb or something and I threw a kunai. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Yep. I got you. Um, what else do we got here? We go down. We got Holden says, the sense of duty here is ridiculously well done. In comparison to another great open world game like Red Dead Redemption 2, I felt zero to no commitment to those people and really didn't want to do any side quests or help any common folk out. However... In Ghost of Tsushima, I feel I have to stop whatever I'm doing just to help this peasant family because all of the rice got stolen. The burden is on my shoulders because I'm the last honorable hero of this land. They need me because they can't do it themselves. That responsibility is such a cool concept you do not get in any other open world game. Breath of the Wild is just having fun exploring. Horizon Zero Dawn, you are interfering with the lives of others you've never even met. Um, though it may take 
it may take many other concepts from other games. The unique sense of belonging in this is one of its core strengths. Do you guys feel that as well? That's very well said. Yeah, I, I have stopped to help every little person. And uh, maybe the, maybe that's something that changes as I keep playing, just because it seems like the missions will start repeating. Yeah, but you but feel invested in this island, these people. Yeah, yeah you but can I, definitely I mean, yeah. tell the, the sense of yeah. like purpose, you know? Yeah, because like I've played a lot of Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey, and I can tell you, I stop almost immediately doing the random quests that pop up there, and only do the like actual written quests. Whereas in this, I'm still doing a lot of these little things that just pop up, like the people randomly on the side of the road who are uh, tied up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, anything that I can do, I feel like I will do it to help out. Mm-hmm. So. Um, very well said. Thank you very much, Holden. That was a good one. Um, we got one from Tanner here. He said, in the spirit of the deepest dive, I want to highlight how good the vibration feedback is in this game. It instantly stood out for me from the first time that you are forced to squeeze through cracks in a story mission and all the climbing, artifact detecting, combat, etc. is more satisfying as a result. As a side note, this game really feels like Uncharted 4 at times, especially with the shrine platforming and grapple look. I have not played Uncharted 4, so I don't get yeah, that Yeah, I felt the same way. Once you get the grappling hook and you can do some of the shrines, I mean, it definitely mirrors Uncharted 4 in a lot of ways. But okay. I like what Tanner um, is saying yeah. about the rumble, too, because I've noticed yeah. that during uh, standoffs where it's like it feels like the hesitation and anticipation of like what is to come, it really comes through with right. the vibration. Yeah, everything about that I agree, except for the artifact detecting. I hate that. The, the because if you can't oh, find yeah. it, when you're def- detecting an artifact, I hate the fact that if you cannot find that thing, your controller will not shut the fuck up. Oh, see, I love it because I'm going around looking for everything and I have the traveler's attire on. And I oh, I purposefully do not put that on. Yeah, I upgraded I it all that. the way for <laughs> that reason. I love uh, the traveler's attire. Um, real quick, though, back on the shrines, I see the comparisons to Uncharted 4, but what I immediately thought of before I got the grappling hook was the Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, I think it was, the little yep. like uh, temples that you jump around in. They're okay, cool yeah. platforming puzzles that I like a lot. Yep. Uh, one thing I did notice that reminds me heavily of Infamous in these games is when you're climbing or scaling the side of a cliff, that little animation of him hopping up to the next rock is very infamous climbing on like the sides of buildings, windowsills popping up. Like Just something about the way he moves up, all I can think of is Infamous with that part specifically one and two uh not so much second son i don't think but like just the little mo- movement where like he kind of hurled oh yeah i can see it now that you say like that i definitely see it the next one yep like it's got this weird i don't know but that it it's just like a weird like it, it's like the character like pops his butt almost up as he climbs up yes. and down <laughs> um we got another one from the smack um he had something about the kamatsu forge i think earlier but he's got a couple things here um a few things he's come across in the game you cannot jump off a high cliff with your horse however your horse will jump up or down smaller cliffs sometimes your horse will jump to a smaller cliff and over jump it causing you to fall a great distance you can use this tactic to drop a long distance without hurting yourself oh i didn't know that yeah, I've uh, accidentally done that a few times. I'm curious to see speedruns of this game because I'm sure they they do that. And it'll like be going over. like off a cliff and you hop down to a little one, but then you you make your horse biff it so you can fall 
50 feet and not get any damage. Yeah. Huh. Oh, weird. That's yeah, that is weird. Um, he also says there is a great photo opportunity when you fly off your horse long distance. It looks like he's flying super gin. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also says Jin can run or ride his horse through the bamboo stalks. I think this is intentional since you do not, so you do not get your character stuck. Also, it's more fun to run through the bamboo forest without being stopped every 10 seconds because of collision. And it's funny to take pictures of Jin or his host stuck inside the bamboo. I don't know that I have really noticed this. I don't think I've run through too much bamboo. I don't think I have either. Yeah, I haven't noticed that either. But that's, that's good, good that somebody thing, sent yeah. in something that never saw. Um, he also enjoys the speed matching that we talked about with the um, followers. He says, take notes, developers. He also says, whoever made R2 as the button to get on the horse is a monster. I've accidentally hit my horse with my sword by pressing triangle so many times. He's Thank right. God you can't kill him. <laughs> yep, I actually right. have not done that. Mm -hmm. They're just taking inspiration what? from Red Dead, where you would constantly accidentally punch your horse in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um silly pug likes how he's gotten to the rhythm um with combat for the first three th stances that are unlocked for him his question is how awesome on a scale of one to ten honorable samurai is it to finish a combat encounter with one enemy left in your wounded crawling animation slowly walk up to him finishing him off and wiping your blade off like a badass 10 um, out of 10 I, yeah um i actually love out of 10 kind of don't like this because I usually put my blade away and clean it off before I see the guy crawling and then I just make him suffer. Unless my wife is watching me stream and then she tells me I can't let them suffer so then I gotta pull the sword out, kill the guy again, and clean my blade off. So, I mean, it still gets a 10 out of 10, but <laughs> sometimes I do what I do like... and just like as they're suffering, just pull out a... <laughs> an explosive arrow and just shoot them in the face. Him. Blow them up, stick a sticky bomb to They're their like, crawling oh, away. Suffering. I was like, hey, you're going to suffer for help. one more second. Um, Dory brings up, um, one of the things I found most interesting in the game isn't the combat or even the scenery necessarily, though those are solid as well. But the haikus, the hot springs, the photo mode, chasing the birds and foxes and praying at the shrines or finding new areas, etc. Those are the parts of the game I appreciate the most because they feel like the least AAA moments and the most genuine and interesting touches that make Ghost its own game. What are your fire are your favorite quiet moments so far? Uh, uh, I mean, just reflecting at the hot springs. Or, I mean, I mean, it's it's obviously scripted to be a quiet moment, right? But it's it's just beautiful and having that little moment of serenity. Same with the haikus. Just these small moments of serenity in this very dark world i think matt miller said it very well in his review on game informer that the game takes solace in nature there's not a lot of that comedic relief like we talked about earlier you take solace in the nature and those quiet moments like that sure yeah the, the, the haikus really hit it home with like the quiet moments but also i've noticed you know the photo mode really helps me absorb just these like vistas in these environments that they've created to like really soak it in and find like the best way that I can make Jin interact with the environment that he lives in. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things to do is uh, go up on a cliff and whip out the old flute and play my thunder song. Um, I really enjoy just sitting there playing as the thunder and storms come rolling in and just sitting there for a moment, just listening. Um, I really thought that was done well. 
I mean, I don't think it's breaking any new boundaries, but it's it's a nice thing to just go up there, play your flute, and listen to the thunder roll in. How many times do y'all think that you have like stopped to just admire your surroundings while you're playing? I would say probably half of the time that I play. Like if I play for an hour, chances are I'm doing at least 30, 35 minutes of finding something cool, trying to take a picture of it and just stopping and looking around. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but the whole game is just so beautiful that it's constantly like taking in all of that like beauty and nature. But I don't think I've had too many moments outside of the haikus and the the baths where I, I stop of my own volition and just like stare because I'm a monster. You have to reclaim your soul somehow. I mean, you know, just take a moment and then ah, back to the murder. <laughs> um, next we got, I believe this is your friend, Panda, Jeffrey Thiel. Um, it is. I really like the combat in this game. The ability to switch between all four stances that you can get pretty early on makes you feel like you can adapt to anything in the game. When you fight a shield enemy, you can switch to the water stance and stagger them more easily. The highlight for me of this game is by far the black and white Kurosawa mode. I grew up watching the movies made by Akira Kurosawa like Shogun, and they absolutely nailed the aesthetics on this aspect of the game. The way you can toggle it on and off is really nice. I always do the duels in Kurosawa mode to get the real Japanese samurai feel and play the game in color mode for everything else. The last thing is the scenery in this game is stunning. I have played many PlayStation exclusives and have seen a scenery. I have not never seen a scenery this beautiful in a game. I find myself many times running back to certain areas just to take a screenshot in photo mode or play a song on the flute just to take in the surroundings. I agree with him on the Kurosawa mode, um, but I do not toggle mine. I like it um, playing through the way it is. And my wife actually enjoys watching it more in the Kurosawa mode because it's more watching a movie. She was actually watching Captain Stubbs play the other day with me. And she actually started getting um, kind of motion sick. I don't know if it's from the colors or how he moves the cameras, but it wasn't happening to her in color mode. But when he was playing, it was. Um, But she's not a gamer. but So she really likes the cinematic um, Kurosawa mode. And we also watch those. She enjoys the Kurosawa movies. Wow. Captain Stubbs is making your wife sick. How dare he? <laughs> yeah, but then he's got to go in the the hot springs to show off Jin's butt for my wife. So you know that, that's why he it did it. And it goes. He, he knew that she was feeling ill, so she was he was trying to make her feel better. Uh-huh. Um, that's all we got for community questions, which leads us to our final segment, I believe. Unless somebody else, you guys got anything else? Um, nope. I have a few like little notes. All right, go uh, for it. Man. Just some like little video gamey stuff. There was a there was one time where I was being stealthy. I was being a wonderful little ghost, and I like shot one guy with an arrow. And there was one guy just close enough to notice, and he walked over. And I shot that guy with an arrow. And there was one guy close enough to notice, and he walked over. Had that classic video game moment of just everybody walking into the closet and dying one by one. And I thought that was oh sure. Um, Have you guys come across any fights just in the plains between bandits and Mongols? No, yes. uh, but my favorite thing ever is when you see the Mongols getting their ass whooped by a bear because it is so funny. Yes. <laughs> have you have you watched the Game Informer video where yes. they are going to do a haiku and the bear is just mauling somebody oh, down yeah. by the river? Yep, it's oh, fantastic. The, the one thing, okay, actually going back to gripes, I don't like how you cannot hunt the deer. 
that is bothersome. I want to you hunt, can hunt it. the deer. You just don't get anything. Yeah, from what? The, what is the point? Don't put them out <laughs> because there. they're sacred. It tells yeah, you that. Sacred. I don't care. Don't do <laughs> then they need to. They need to either be taking me to a shrine or something. You know. The and you get predator skins. Deer are not predators. Uh, then give me a, a non-predator skin. Something. I need something. <laughs> It's going to be like the Witcher when you kill so many cows that monster just comes out and destroys oh, you. Because I killed one deer and like I went up to it. I was like, oh, maybe I can skin it and get something and then nothing happened. I was like, I just killed this fucking deer for nothing. Yep. I, I definitely <laughs> did that the first time. Just shot yeah, an arrow at it. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Oh. But yeah, you can come across those fights between Mongols and bandits. And I love just sitting there and watching them. And then one guy will survive and I'll pick him off and I'll get a bunch of experience for all the killing they did, which is. Yeah. And at first I thought I was saving somebody and then they came running at me. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not saving villagers. (laughs) This is clearly bad people fighting bad people. So screw you guys. I'll just sit and watch. Uh, And then the rumor system I like a lot where just random people will sometimes have dialogue and it seems like it pops up randomly because sometimes there'll be a guy that doesn't have any dialogue, but then you'll come back to that location and have dialogue later. And that's how you get a lot of your side quests. But also I really like that sometimes they're just little conversations about that person's life and the things that have happened to them and they don't lead into a side quest. It's just wonderful set dressing. Yeah, it's just another way that you feel invested in this island, that you want to participate in all of these little things that you can do. And it doesn't feel cumbersome um, for the most part when you're doing yeah. this stuff. And then one last thing, we're going to get just absolutely killed on the internet if we don't mention that petting the foxes is wonderful. <laughs> yes, but how awful is it that the, the, all, they don't always stay around on the shrines? If it's too enclosed, yeah. they disappear. And it's like you turn around like, where the fuck's the fox? What yeah, is going terrible. on here? All right. right and with sucks. that, we are on to... Haiku Corner. I have one more thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All I right, know, it's going long, but uh, the Sashimono banners. I, I like yes. how you can turn those in to get different uh, saddles for your horse. Oh, saddles. Yep. Yeah. So that's just, cool. just to add a little Although, bit more customization. They all look the same color to me, so I don't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. God, that would suck. They, they're not the same color, but they. they no. It's cool. Um. All right. So. Haiku Corner. I- Haiku Corner. Haiku, Haiku Corner. We are going to start off with Strife. Panda, you want to go first? Read us uh, your haiku. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Okay. Unknown horizons peer through the mist and we'll be weakened from the fight. Oh, so close. We're almost word for word. Mm-hmm. Mine is unknown horizons peer through the mist and we'll be shielded. First to fall. Well, we all started with the same one, at least. Unknown horizons. Struggle and cry out for help. Shattered, but alive. Oh, yours is close, too. We're all fairly close, so... I gotta do Captain Stubbs here. Is this Unknown horizons. (laughs) On steady ground. We retreat. Shattered, but alive. <laughs> oh, Stubbs, you came back. That sounds like Bob Mule. <laughs> All right, next we're going to do Defeat. <clears throat> okay. Uh, pure of heart and soul, observe the coming future, gasping for new life. Ooh. Mine was stillness of one's mind. Warriors fall, birthed anew, rising from the depths. I think you guys got it wrong. It's um, 
<clears throat> Resilience and strong. Warriors fall. Birth the new. Gasping for new life. Oh. So that's the canonical one, just so you guys are aware. I, I want you so to know. Stubbs has pure of heart and soul. A lone pebble alters fate. Drowning and alone. His is depressing. Yeah, that was super Ouch. sad. Ouch. <laughs> I suppose it is defeat. Um, so serenity is our next one. Clear skies and clear mind. A cool bed beneath the stars, growing ever stronger. Ooh, that's nice. Mine is whispers through the trees, swaying freely in the wind, beckoned by the warmth. Uh, mine was very close to pandas. Clear skies and clear mind, swaying freely in the wind, growing ever strong. What Stubbs got? Stubbs has clear skies and clear mind, swaying freely in the wind, beckoned by the warmth. Damn it. I want uh, one of these to completely cross over. <laughs> so next we have death, which also, by the way, is my favorite headband. Okay. <clears throat> Worries strangle growth. Escaping higher, we climb, flourishing and free. Oh, we got close on that one. Never ending flow. The earth's cold grasp underneath, flourishing and free. So close, Tom. <laughs> Never ending flow. The earth's cold grasp underneath, ready for the end. Oh. We got Stubbs has vast in peace we rest. The earth's cold grasp underneath, ready for the end. Dang yeah, it. I like his. That one that one's like yeah, that one, that one's pretty I nice. mean, yeah, really good, uh, but it was so close yeah. to being the same. Uh next we are going with peace. Following the breeze, deep breaths released to the wind, prepared to change course. Oh damn it. The last one again, Panda. Mine was following the breeze, deep breaths, released to the wind, a new beginning. Mine was the same as Panda's except for the first line. Damn it. A hidden respite, deep breaths, released to the wind, prepared to change course. Oh, and Stubbs is even more just a little bit different. Following the breeze, deep breaths, released to the wind, prepared to to change course. Oh, that's that's spot on with mine. That's yours. Yep. Okay. Oh. We got a winner. Ding, ding, ding. ding, ding, ding. In the podcast. It's over. Peace. We're done. Oh, uh, no. We got three more to do. <laughs> uh, refuge. We got next. A golden temple submerged deep in nature's shade. We rise together. Oh. I have a world's reflection. Growth that shelters all it sees. We rise together. Calm waters, calm mind. Darkness fades in brilliant light. We rise together. Ooh. We all like that Stubbs, last line. Yeah, that last line Stubbs, is super good. Dubs does not have that one. He's got uh, oh a golden God. temple submerged deep in nature's shade, ever unbending. Man, he and I almost had another one that matched. <laughs> all right, we got invasion is next. Towering above, heading to uncertainty. Rushing to the end. I have calm before the storm, heading to uncertainty, reaching from within. 
Calm before the storm, a constant haze envelops, fleeing warmth and light. Oh, we got another winner. That's exactly what Stubbs has. Calm before the storm, a constant haze envelops, fleeing warmth and light. We got the last one now, fear. This is probably my favorite one. Uh, Whispers drawing near, shifting shadows back and forth, cloaked in death's armor. Wow, so close, Panda, so close. Whispers drawing near, shifting shadows back and forth, guided by night's glow. Secrets buried deep, shifting shadows back and forth, guided by night's glow. Here's Stubbs. Whispers drawing near, darkness grows and reaches out, guided by night's glow. Damn. So we had two we two winners. Yep, Stubbs matched up with two of us. Two chicken dinners. You know, we know chicken dinner. You know what that means? Stubbs is unoriginal. Oh, oh my God. plagiarizing, <laughs> plagiarizing all over the place. Okay, I think I had one more community one that I missed here. Let me find it real quick. Hold on, real quick. We gotta we gotta do some snapping for poetry. Oh, uh, did somebody? I also wrote. Now that we're doing ASMR. Music. We can't do that. The haiku um, music is really fun. Does somebody want to do the like chanting that goes along with the? I, I don't know the haiku. I don't know it either. Um, Swiggity Swoo would love to know what outfit everybody is rocking. His favorite is the blue and white Ronin armor. That what are you guys rocking? Is an excellent question. I am rocking the traveler's attire, dyed white from the white dye master that lives up on the mountain, with the uh ronin whatever or the straw hat okay mm. whatever you know which, which straw hat though there's like six uh, the one the one that you were telling me about that you big find one. on the sword okay yep the real big one yeah okay. the huge one and then uh i have the uh mustache mask whatever that one's called what do you got for a sword kit oh shit i don't know man <laughs> I, I change mine all the time <laughs> okay uh, uh, I have the. I also have the Traveler's Attire on, which I had dyed the white and yellow that you can buy pretty early on, but then I also found the guy with the white dye, and now I'm wearing white Traveler's Attire It as well. looks so good, dude. That white Traveler's looks so good. Okay, so I'm I also, have... Oh, oh what, what do you got? No, go ahead. Um, I'm also wearing the white dyed headband and uh, the... I don't remember what it's called, but it's basically a white sword. You can buy it from the vendor pretty early on. I think it's called Noble. Tack, you got to take more screenshots of the white on white because it, it looks so good against like every background. Mm, okay. We look, we look forward to your contributions. Um, and if we decide to do this as a YouTube thing, we can just pull all our screenshots together and just keep oh my God, photo so moding it the entire time for four hours. Um, so <laughs> I got the uh, Warrior's Brush Sword Kit. So the way I recognize this one, because I can't see the colors, um, it has the square um, piece for the uh, hilt for the sword. Um, so it looks more like a ninja sword, actually, but I'm not a ninja, which I actually didn't notice until most recently. <laughs> uh, I, I rock the headband of death or the giant straw hat as well. I think currently I got the headband of death on um, the samurai clan mask and the samurai clan armor with the immaculate warrior color. Can't tell you what cor- color it is because it's white and gray <laughs> and black. Um, that is what I'm rocking. And I'm just going to assume that Captain Stubbs is running around naked. 
and he just has like a bamboo twig as his weapon of choice. I think he just has bamboo twigs up his butt the whole time. <laughs> so he, he runs quite awkwardly, we'll see. Um, that will bring us to the end of our uh, Ghost Dive Act 1. Congratulations, everybody. We made it through. Four hours almost. Jesus, man. Yeah, we're gonna yeah we thought anybody, we were going to go over three. That was uh, anybody got uh, 10 minutes worth of content they want to talk about? Oh, yeah. No, but uh, I did want to to back up real quick. What what major runes are you guys using? Or major charms, I mean? I didn't write those down. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. I think I'm using one that uh, increases melee damage, and then the other one uses... Um, oh, the double one? The one that has 5% chance to yep, double? Yep, and then the... Uh, oh, God, what is it? The uh, bow draw uh, speed. Yep, the 15% to knock yeah, and draw. because, man, that makes such a difference. I, I'm using the one that gives you more resources and the one that makes it where you heal outside of combat. Just oh. convenient stuff. Yeah, I think most of mine are sword attack and defense. Yeah, the, the resources point. one is super convenient if you're trying to level up armor. So, like, if I'm trying to run some armor stuff, I put that on so I can start buying stuff. Okay. Uh, Tack, you got anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, if you can follow me on Twitter, at Dreamer Tactical, just to make things really confusing. It's backwards. Uh, and then I stream every single day on Twitch at twitch.tv slash tactical dreamer. All right. Panda, what about you? You got some plugging to do? Uh, I got a handful of things. I'm on Twitter. It's Major Panda. Shocker. Uh, I have a podcast, which this will be going into that feed <laughs> from father to son, a podcast I do with my eight-year-old son. We talk about all kinds of things. We haven't put out a lot of episodes lately because we've been very busy. And then we've been streaming as well on Twitch at It's Major Panda. So very nice, very nice. And I know Captain Stubbs, you can check him out. Uh Captain Stubbs one on YouTube. Um he streams Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at nine oh, is it? PM nine Eastern. Eastern. Yep. Nine PM Eastern. Um I know Fridays he does Sekiro, I think. And I think it's random. Uh, I know he's going to be working through Sleeping Dogs right now. Oh, yep, Sleeping Dogs. Probably Mondays and Wednesdays, and I think Fridays he's planning on Sekiro streams. And he also is in the Wannabes, who are in a match right now. Um, KQB, I hope they're doing well, as we're not cheering them on because we're over here. But I know they got this in the bag. They're going to playoffs. Um, Myself, you can follow me. Hold on, on... one more thing for Stubbs. Okay. he has the Ask a Locksmith podcast that you can find oh, on Spotify. Right, yes. All right. I don't know how to reach that other than looking specifically for yeah, Ask a Locksmith. Finding podcasts on Spotify is super hard, but I think if you go into search and you can look for podcasts specifically and just type in Ask a Locksmith, it should pop up. Or just comment on his YouTube page and ask him. Yeah, that, probably that, be too. Able to that too. <laughs> I'm sure he plugs yeah. it on there. You can also send um, him questions for that podcast. Uh, you guys know the email for that? Ask a lot uh, at Gmail. Ask a lot at gmail.com, I believe is what that is. Um, but then uh, we'll put it in the description for this podcast. Oh, yeah. Right? Go. We can do that. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I am on Twitch, Time Bomb Tom. Um, usually I stream most days at 6 p.m. Central, the correct time zone of the Min Maxians. Um, also, if you enjoy <laughs> this, <laughs> if you enjoy this or things done like this by 
professionals? Should we say they're they're pretty professional? Uh, right? Yeah, I would say they're professional. They they do they're, it for a living. They are practiced at this. Um, you can always go to Patreon and join the MinMax. Just support them at any tier, um, and you get access to the Discord community that is MinMax two ends, um, and that's where we all met. That's this how we made this lovely community um, ghost dive. Um, they do deepest dives. They did Chrono Trigger, Outer Worlds. We did Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake. Final Fantasy VII Remake. They are just got done doing The Last of Us 2 and What Remains of Edith Finch we also did. I don't know what the future holds for the deepest dives, um, but it is fantastic content there. Um, we got Leo Vader. We got Kyle Hilliard. We got Jeff Machiafava. We got Surreal Vasquez, Ana Diaz, right? Yep. And is that all of them? Is that all the cohorts? Did you say uh, Ben Hansen? No. The, the best part of this is I get to tell this little oh, yeah, part real quick. Uh, I was listening to the Midmax show the other day <laughs> as I was coming home from Lake Michigan. And my wife goes, who's that Bill Hansen? And <laughs> <laughs> Bill Hansen. Oh. Bill Hansen. Yeah. Bless America. Yeah. Um, but I think that does it. Uh, we almost made it to four hours. We're at 355 now. But uh, we will be back on August 14th, hopefully. I think is when we plan on getting this out. Yeah, because the next act is huge. It's got a lot it of is. content. Okay. So, yes, I believe 8.14 is when we are planning to release this if we go on goal with releasing them on Fridays. I'm not sure what time Fridays, but we are hoping to get it in on Fridays. Otherwise, we'll do Saturdays. You know, we'll see how it goes. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I hope you are enjoying this game. Back to... That is all the way through the end of Act 2, and uh, you want to plug where they can send their questions for us? Um, so we will go all the way through Act 2. I don't know what that ending quest is currently to oh, tell Hold on, you. I got it pulled up. Okay. Give me Panda can tell us his information. moment. It is... Okay. Okay, I don't have it pulled up. I lied. I'm a liar. <laughs> well, anyway, we are going through Act 2. Um... There's usually a big hard stop from what I was told by the magnificent Kyle Hilliard. Um, you can send questions to ghost of Tsushima deep dive at gmail.com. Um, all one word. And we will be happy to take those. Um, so a week and a half from now, it will be probably Wednesday, I think it's 8-12, August 12th, I believe will be the day that we stop taking questions for that. So, get your questions, comments, concerns in. Um, thank you all for joining us. Um, thank you Tactical Dreamer. Thank you Captain Stubbs. Thank you Major Panda. Thank um, you. This has been thank super fun. And I hope everyone has as much fun listening to this as we did recording it. Thank you, Tom, for hosting. And everybody, send nice words to Tom. Tell him what a good job he did. It was a good podcast. Hey, good job, everybody. This has been great. All right. And for Captain Stubbs, I like to know he goes, bye bye.